I will bet you five of my newly won uh, FanDuel dollars that Pope Francis dies before Jimmy Carter does. <laughs> podcast that is a newly discovered but previously predicted missing blob between two oceans. No follow-up questions. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too. How you doing tonight, Lori? Oh, it occurred to me that... Fame recognize game makes like 50% more sense than game recognize fame. Thank you for asking. That's how Lori's doing. Tonight is Monday, November 27th, 2023. Uh, just on the other side of Thanksgiving here. Had a wonderful Thanksgiving ourselves. Abe, have you got anything to contribute to the opening few minutes of banter before we press on into the meat and content of the show. Speaking of uh, meat, I, ha- I had a uh, Friendsgiving, and this, uh, all the friends in this group are all of uh, Indian bent, uh, and so it was a meatless Thanksgiving, and I don't, I'm sure I've had that before, but it, it's been just, a, you know, maybe a, a handful, like two or three such occasions. It was just interesting that, and it works, you know, I'm sure it's against whatever, I'm sure there's some rule against America that, you, no. you know. That this violates. You can do a vegetarian uh, Thanksgiving. But yeah, it was it was fun. I really leaned into the uh, obnoxious American thing in the family group chat uh, regarding our Thanksgiving preparations. Yeah, I was like, uh, do, do, have we figured out dinner rolls yet? And people were like, Ah, do we need dinner rolls? Because like, yeah, there's like two kinds of stuffing, and there's going to be plenty of like pie and stuff. Do we really need more bread? And I was like, No, no, no you don't understand. Because the dinner roll. For like $6, I can get a garbage bag full of Costco dinner rolls, and that adds to the obscene bounty for a relatively <laughs> paltry sum. Like that's what you're, what you're aiming for is but not, like, do we need more bread? You don't have to have any. The point is that there's, a, there's like, look at the obscene bounty that we have here during our Thanksgiving. Uh, similarly, the women in my family... They started texting in the group chat. Hey, how about uh, we're going to go sweatpants and like uh, leggings, a very informal. We're not going like nobody's going to expect anybody to be dressed up for Thanksgiving dinner. Right. That was the that's how it was phrased in the in the group chat. And the other people were all like, oh, yeah, of course. We, uh, you know, that's valid. We love you. You everybody can dress. However, they can be total slobs. That's not that was. No, it was. That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty. Much let's do that. It yeah. was not, we love you. It was, uh, yeah, was, let's be comfortable while we hang out all day. Bunch of fucking slobs, Abe. They're going <laughs> to, instead of putting on a pair of nice jeans or khakis and a button-up shirt, they're just going to dress however they want to dress. And I rejected that out of hand. I found uh, that to be... He, no, he didn't get... We everyone else still wore our sweatpants. ancestors, forefathers, didn't conquer this land from the <laughs> savage. 
in, in order that we could, these many years later, be reduced to lounging about as, as the savage might. Bob was the only herb in a button-down shirt. In Everyone else looked pants. normal. You know, not, now that you mention it, okay, so Thanksgiving, as I understand it, uh, you're, you're supposed to go for the feast look. So, yeah, abundance is uh, uh, encouraged uh, of things, just whatever, rolls or what have you. But on the fashion front, I thought the idea was to be comfortable, right? It's not a dress-up. Yes, correct. Ga- Abe knows. To- Bob doesn't know anything. Do I look uncomfortable to you right now, Abe? <laughs> Gaze upon me. Would you sleep in that? Why should you go to the Thanksgiving dinner table in clothing that you would sleep in? How is that the standard that we're setting? Okay, so it, when you eat a lot of food, your body, you know, it needs a little, uh, a little runway, you know, and the uh, you want to wear comfortable wear clothing. If you wear sweatpants to the Thanksgiving feast table, you cannot, as some disgusting fifty-year-old uh, uncle. Uh, lean back in your chair, or perhaps as you excuse yourself to the other room to put the football on and you grab your beer or what have you, and then do the the big dramatic where you're like ripping up, the belt comes off and the and the pants no, become that's unbuttoned. That's disgusting. Right. See, that's what you, you avoid get no by satisfaction of the pant the pant release if you're already in the stretchy pants. Wait. So you're 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 promoting the the example you just gave. You want people yes. to. Uh, Make it's adjustments all part of the experience, Abe. You do not. We are not the uh, the creatures at the end in, in Wally, uh, where the they they show the people who are on that on that space cruise, and they're just blobs in stretchy red and blue pants and right. and and uh, lycra suits or what have you, right. and they're all falling over on their on their floaty scooters. That's not how you should show up at the Thanksgiving table. That's, right. That might well be our future, and I think I saw it on display at the Thanksgiving table this past week. Right. I, I think uh, eat a lot and wear comfortable clothes is a perfect combination for Thanksgiving. Your uh, rigid rules uh, run counter not, to that. Not rules. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I didn't lay down the law. I simply no, said I will didn't. not be yeah. attending – to the Thanksgiving uh, feast table in my stretchy pants. There was I will wear... quiet judgment. Were you looking down on others? Look at them. Look at these of slobs. Course. Of course. Uh, yes. He doesn't have any way to be besides looking down upon others all the time. Fortunately, uh, the people in the room are obviously a tolerant bunch, yes. <laughs> given what they'll put up with uh, with each other. And so uh, accepted my playful jabbing at their uh, slovenly presentation. And it was a wonderful meal. And my, my siblings and their partners, wives and husbands are all wonderful people. So it was a, a perfectly wonderful time. Oh, that's good. That's uh, my sister's pregnant. Uh, congratulations. Oh, Catherine. look at that. We're all very excited. She is the third sibling in the age order and now the third sibling to have children, our family, doing things right. Married, having kids in the right order, uh, in wedlock. Well done by by us. I wonder how often that happens where it's in that sequence. Like, Yeah, hopefully the sequence stops now. Because I don't think the next one in age order is ready for that experience. Andrew? No. Your mom's children. Duncan. No, (laughs) but no, that's not age order for them. It's not all about you. My sibling order is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think it counts in the one family because you could count other people that are like 
Catherine and Andrew are not related to Duncan and Ryan. They're oh, also not related to other people they're not related to, so that they're not counting in order. It's not about you. It's about the parents. It's, it's not it's, about the I think it's like a Bob point of view, right? <laughs> I think that's what I'm describing here. As always. <laughs> Curiously, I think my brother's done. Like Christopher is done having kids, and we were done having kids, so... Like, we had to be done having kids before he started having kids. Oh. And now he's done having Passing kids. Passing the torch. And Catherine is starting to have kids. I wonder if that's how this is going to go. That's interesting. With no overlap of kid having. Yes, with no yeah. overlap whatsoever. Wow. That'd be something. Yeah. Anyway, it was a good weekend. We had fun. Uh, I fried two turkeys so busy. in the big old vat of oil. I thought you were going to talk about your show. I thought you were just going to start your show. What do you mean? You said, Abe, do you have anything to add? I was uh, quietly or, or subtly giving Abe shit for recently not bringing any fun anecdotes to the <laughs> ah. start of the show. Uh, Speaking <laughs> of which, you know, uh, on Thursday was Thanksgiving, but uh, the weekend I was in Asheville. Uh, we drove up to North Carolina. Uh, the sports, just where you want to spend rivalry weekend. The That's sports right. capital of the southeast, yeah, we're, we're Asheville, sports North Carolina. Go to die. I think uh, call uh Paul Johnson, the former Georgia Tech coach, is from there. I see a lot of his stuff there. Um, Interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's some Carolina school there that he's affiliated with, or some for some UNC reason. Asheville is there. Yeah, I think it was the other one. There's another school nearby. I forget what it was. But anyways, the the city's not fond of sports. You know, they'll show it in some no, locations, hippies. but they're not that big into it. They didn't show the Alabama game, which I watched on my phone. They did show oh the Georgia God. Georgia Tech game, so that was at least something. Uh, but we went to this uh, brewery tour, like New New Belgium or some. They got this yeah. big, big brewery, uh, and there was a tour, and it was like a it was like an hour long tour. They they explain everything, and I, I realized you know there are certain jobs that that I know that I can do and, and, and it's usually the jobs where you have to kind of assume that you are the company like the language that the the, the yep. tour was using we, like, we did this and we invented mm -hmm. this apparently they invented something in the chain of making beer that's like that changed the game as he said uh, right. and other people you know copied but like the whole time I was like what do you mean we like you're like my age and you're right. talking about something that <laughs> who, was who the created. fuck is we <laughs> no, it's a fan, that's you're making I like worked you're making like $16 an hour here, buddy. I worked for a company like that, and I had to do that. And it's it's quick. It's just like changing pronouns. You just say we instead of they. All right. I I mean, I've never had to. It's, you, the idea is that you're. it's a family, and you're yes. in the family. And if your family has a tradition, you say we have a tradition. Ah. Oh. I always say Uncle Sam wants your money or like the government. Like yeah, I never uh, assume that I You don't I'm... work for a family-owned company. <laughs> Do you know how much, how terrifying it would be if the IRS, when talking to average Joe taxpayer, defaulted to what we need? Yeah, you it know? works like, like you don't do that. It's, it's That's not what you want to hear. <laughs> These are lean years for the government. We need some extra funds. <laughs> Yeah, uh, successful trip though up to yeah, Asheville. Yeah, it was great. We were just kind of hung out. Uh, everything is like kind of cheap there. Like the Uber rides were like all under ten dollars. I know it's a small town, but like yeah, everything you're just was used to crazy yeah, Atlanta prices. Yeah. Uh, no, it was a fun weekend. Very quick. The kind of trips I like: get in, get out. Yeah. 
Well, good. We uh, we stuck around here. Had a bit of a crazy weekend in terms of. It was crazy. All of the things we had to do. Our daughter was in a ballet production, a professional production of the Nutcracker. Oh, how did that go? Fine. I didn't. I didn't she, go she, at all. Bob didn't in fact, go. I didn't. Bob does not support women <laughs> in the arts. I didn't go um, this year. Uh, she did it last year. She's going to be in it again in future years. Is that years. how parenting I, works? <laughs> I, no, that's not, how Bob works. This is a. I believe we talked about it. We almost certainly talked about it last year on the show. But this is all a scam run by this professional ballet troupe, where they go from city to city of roughly Charlottesville size throughout the month of November and December, putting on the Nutcracker, but. They're recruiting the young children of the local ballet scene to be in the show in order to pack the audience with paying customers. Because if you're just saying, hey, we're the professional ballet troupe and we're coming through your town of 30,000 people and we're going we're gonna to put on the, the Nutcracker, you're not going to sell out a 2,000-person theater three times in two days. It's right. just not going to happen. But if instead you hire higher so to speak yeah uh, they're volunteers you, you get you get uh, uh 50 children volunteers to come in then you do 50 times how many tickets did we buy this year 11 10 10 or 11, wow. yeah 10 tickets 10 because bob didn't support his daughter right because calvin and i didn't go it would have been 12 if calvin and i went but like various people in our family wanted to go see uh, our daughter perform in this thing and so katie's uh, uh participation in this thing resulted in 10 tickets sold to this ballet that otherwise definitely wouldn't have been. This is like, it's like the who's who thing where who's who sends you a thing. It's like, Hey, you're pretty special. Yeah. And if you send us $50, uh, we'll send you a copy of this book that has your name in it. And if uh, they don't tell you is that uh, your name is only going in the book. If you send us the $50, <laughs> uh, that's, that's how this works. Which in a weird way undercuts the uh, smart argument. Like you shouldn't fall for this trick. Like it's kind of That's a right. weird thing. If somebody, if I'm like a hiring manager somewhere and somewhere on that resume, it's like, That's I was right. who's who of 1997. It's like, ah, oh, you're a fucking moron, I guess, is what you're telling me here with this line item in your resume. Anyway, um, it was, uh, uh, all parties assure me that my daughter was wonderful on the she stage. Uh, and I, I look it forward to to maybe going to see the Nutcracker one more time uh, throughout the course of her lengthy ballet career. Anyway, it's uh, it's time for pop quiz, Hotshot. Right. Uh, Abe, your favorite filmmaker, James Cameron, is oh, bringing yes. his movie The Abyss back to theaters for a one-day engagement next week on December 6th. It is a new 4K transfer and remaster of the 1989 film that includes 32 minutes of new footage bringing its runtime to a more Cameron-esque two hours and 51 minutes. Watching the preview for the new special edition, I was naturally reminded of the Titanic, which made me reminisce about the big news story that captured the imagination of people all over the globe, wherein five people died while on an underwater sightseeing tour of the Titanic shipwreck inside a submersible run by the company Oceangate. Abe, quickly, when did the rapid, unscheduled disassembly of the Titan sub take place? Like, what, the month? Roughly in, month and year, yes. Wow, you know, like, this is like in this... Wow, uh, let's see. Ooh. I'm taking a guess. I, it's weird, I, I can't place it in my head. I can't place a time. I'm going to say... Uh, shit. Uh, 
<laughs> when could it have happened? Da, 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 da. Can't believe that guy died. Da, this is taking da, da, too long. Da, da. You're you're getting too smart. You're supposed uh, to just answer the question. I I can't even tell if it was this year. Holy shit! Uh, August of twenty two. I don't know. I, I can't. August give a t- of twenty two. I think it guess- was like this most recent June. It was June of this year. Oh Lori nailed it. <laughs> I had a very similar experience to Abe of total time dislocation because I was thinking about it and I was like, uh, when did this happen? What was this connected to? How could it like, what can I, and I couldn't place it in context of anything else because it was such a dominant story unto itself. And I was like 18 months ago in my head. It was like, this was definitely a year and a half ago. And then I. I Google it up, and it was fucking five months wow, ago. Wow, that's unbelievable. It was, it was June 18th <laughs> of this year. Uh, it was it was during the baseball season that just it was, ended. It was during, like, Coachella. You know how many football seasons have happened since then? Yeah, but that's the thing. I couldn't place it in. I, I don't that, know. Yeah, not, it's because you read too much bullshit. Did we do something similar with uh, Suleimani killing? Like, yes, there, so there that, certain, that was yeah. the... The dawn of this segment was uh, a pop quiz hotshot is it's supposed to be the idea of it is when in time did this uh, news event happen? And that's what we'll, we'll stick but, with going know, forward. Yeah, it's interesting because you're right. There are certain news events that it's not tied to like a, a period, in t- at least in my head. I mean, this was like in the water and it could have been whenever. Uh and so, like, yeah, I, I bet you if you ask me this a year from now, I'm going to say, I don't know, like in 1999, it happened. But this was, a, this was like a culture takeover of a news story. And in my head, I couldn't tell you, like, I, I was off by, like I said, I was off by a full year. Right. And you were off by 10 months. So. But your smart, intelligent, witty wife. It's just, yes, I know. You're very much better than all of us, obviously. <laughs> yeah. It was what all... The only feedback at, at that I ever things. get about this show is just how smart and awesome Lori is. And I'm like, she can't even talk uh, into the goddamn microphone. I have to go in in post and raise her levels up to crazy. I, I don't know how else to talk this when I'm That's speaking. That's too much. That's what you're doing there. That's Now you're too close. That was bad. See, she can't do it. <laughs> Abe, it's time to open up the WGAS news bag. All right. Abe, last Wednesday, I got a push notification from the AccuWeather app on my phone, alerting me that the FBI is investigating a vehicle explosion that killed two car occupants at Rainbow Bridge on the U.S.-Canadian border, which is one of the busier interchanges, uh, border crossings on the northern border, as I understand it, over there, uh, like Niagara Falls, Toronto area. Right, right. Possibly the one that we will use Probably. when we go to see the eclipse in April. Oh, that's right. That thing is happening, right? April. Yeah. Now, first of all, it was uh, weird that I got this. The first notice that I got of this was uh, through the AccuWeather app because yeah. so far as anyone knew or ultimately even knows now, this was not a weather-related event. Right. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, are they branching out? I'm not sure out? why are they covering... AccuWeather pushed that yeah. out. Uh, Republicans were quick to slam Joe Biden's weak border policies for the Rainbow Bridge explosion at the northern border, 
some Republicans took to X, formerly known as Twitter, to blame President Biden's weak border policies for the event, which is still being investigated. This is in the hours after the uh, the crash was first reported. Uh, Rep. Paulina Luna from Florida called for full deportation efforts and for the U.S. to lock down its borders immediately. So it begins. We need to lock down the borders immediately. Full deportation efforts need to begin. The U.S. does not need to be the world's hospitality suite any longer. Rep. August Fluger said border security is homeland security, and that mission never ends. Uh, Rep. Claudia Tenney of New York posted today's shocking explosion on the Rainbow Bridge in Niagara County is a heartbreaking reminder that weak border security puts us all at risk. Uh, For months, I've warned about the surge of suspected terrorists entering through our northern border. We must greatly enhance border security at all of our borders, including the north. That's Mike Kelly of Pennsylvania. Uh, Rep. Andy Biggs of Arizona wrote, Our borders are under attack, and the Biden administration continues to sit on its hands. It's long past time to put Americans first. The uh, White House issued a statement saying it was closely monitoring all of the goings-on there, uh, but didn't suggest that it was terrorism. Ted Cruz posted a clip. It was from Fox News. That suggested that sources uh, reported to Fox News that it had been a terrorist attack, and Ted Cruz was uh, happy to pass that along. He said, this confirms our worst fear. The explosion at Rainbow Bridge was a terrorist attack. Both attackers are dead, and one law enforcement officer is injured. I'm praying, uh, blah, blah, blah. As it turns out, our worst fear is that The owners of a few Ace Hardware stores in the upstate New York area would get in there. It's a very fast car. An extremely fast car. They got into their Bentley, uh, which can go 170 miles per hour. This is our worst fear, by the way, is that Ace Hardware owners get in their Bentley and drive it at full speed into a barricade that then launches them if it wasn't a sort of tragedy, it would be funny. Like a, It's pretty. Have you seen it? I've seen the video. I'm asking Abe. I have not, no. Oh, man, I'm going to have crazy. to share the video. Yeah. They shouldn't drive this fast. This is from the New York Times write-up of this event. Police identified Kurt Villani as the driver and Monica Villani as the passenger. Married couple, both 53 and from Grand Island, were the owners of several businesses in western New York. They were headed to a concert in Toronto before the fatal crash, which remains unexplained. So not only was this an attack that was coming from the United States side of the border, uh, but it was a couple of 50-year-old Ace Hardware store owners driving their half-a-million-dollar flying spur Bentley at absurd speeds that then launched them uh, over the border and into a... uh, into a into building else. that had a security guard inside. Uh, security guard is recovering at the moment. Hopefully, you'll be able to see on this shit. video. Holy shit. <laughs> wow. Look at that car go. Wow. Yeah. There's audio. Yo, oh my God, are they all right? <laughs> the guy says, as they cut to the reverse angle, and it's all that remains is a giant flaming fireball. Uh, and the, the guy says, oh, my God, are they all right? <laughs> oh, no. Not quite. Oh, no, they're not. No. Wow. That is, I did not think it was 
That's crazy. It's quite dramatic. Uh, the Volanis had brief, briefly visited the Seneca Niagara Resort and Casino, a gleaming casino just to the east of the city's famous waterfalls, before they hit the median, sending the flying spur shooting into the air. A border protection officer in a checkpoint booth had minor injuries. Only about 30 seconds passed between when the car turned onto Niagara Street and when it struck a median at the checkpoint, a distance of about three-quarters of a mile. So they got that Bentley uh, moving quickly and then launched it over the border. Uh, this is a classic version of uh, Ted Cruz and the other Republicans in the House of Representatives would be better served waiting the way Abe does for right. uh, the news to play itself out and watching the CBS Sunday morning tape on this about six months from now. Right. Uh, once all the facts had come in before tweeting. Because what looked like a uh, fairly scary and potentially uh, uh, terrorist activity when you just first see the headline uh, turns out to just be a dope driving too fast, possibly having some sort of malfunction with his car. Although obviously... Nothing along those lines can be established yet either. Right. It'll be interesting to see what actually – I mean it's like a medical episode and the the, 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 the foot was just stuck or, or, or a mechanical thing. I don't know what, what will happen. But to your point about my point, uh, time does heal all hot takes, right? Because like – and I think this is – Not all wounds though. No. Because those people will still be dead. Right. Yes. No. Can't do anything about the wounds but the – when the story breaks, and then there's like what uh, uh, border uh, potential uh, bomb. You know, what was the initial takes? Like it's like, hey, there's a a porous border, and the president is to blame, and like all the hot takes are given. And I think in the past, I used to think, oh, people are just kind of prisoner of the moment, and they just react to the limited information because they don't have any other information, right? But I think now it's like if the information that is available, it you can construe it in a in such a way that it advances some political point that you want to make. You'll jump at it, right? Like basically, more information is actually bad because if it goes the other way, then you can't make that point. Like so, like if some senator was like vacationing last week and they showed up today, and we have more information, they couldn't go on Twitter or wherever to make the points that those politicians made last week in the moment, right? So like. And you can get a lot of value from that. Like, so I don't know if you can campaign off it or people will say, oh, you're on our side. You're talking about the border. Like there, there's political gain and not a lot of political cost or no political cost, right, for getting no, this wrong. No, there's the opposite of political cost. This is a – it's further – it's a classic situation where even if not true, my emotional truth stands right. and is still – the it's, case, right? Like it, it's even, classic. even if this one turns out to have just been uh, a guy who had a couple of too many at the bar, uh, leaving the casino and then headed over to across the border to go to the concert with his old lady. The underlying point that I was making still stands, which is that the Biden administration doesn't care about the border. Right. And I do. Right. Which is kind of like, uh, what do you do with that? It's kind of like the, uh, Adam Carolla's old thing where it's like, yeah, but still once like, it's like demonstrated that the point that you just made, you spent time making is wrong. You're like, yeah, but still, I'm still just saying I'm wrong. Uh, and, but, but it's nobody not ever loses any credibility yes. on that front right. ever. Right. Right. And I was reading a piece by, uh, Freddie DeBoer, who's a, a writer. He has a Substack. He's, uh, extremely liberal guy, uh, bordering on like socialist communist kind of stuff oh uh, but but he writes 
but he's also anti-identitarian. He's very uh, like sort of against the way that the social justice movements have been corrupted by the sort of identitarian mindset in the last 20 years or what have you. And so he's often complained about by people on the left because he takes them to task more often than they would like about the identity stuff. And also, like, he's a very complicated figure. He's he's had serious mental health issues before, and he behaved in ways that are unbecoming a public or private figure uh, relative to some personal friends of his or something. Anyway, the point here is that he is uh, persona non grata among a large portion of the media class. And he wrote a piece today about how he wrote a piece last week about the new The Marvels movie, and he panned it, and he said, look, I will admit I haven't seen the new The Marvels movie, but I saw the one from a few years ago, and the reason that I won't go see this one is because the the character, the Brie Larson character, Captain Marvel, is just not interesting to me. And she suffers from this idea that all lead female characters in movies these days seem to suffer from, which is that they don't have character arcs. They don't seem to be building flaws into strong female characters in the way that they always build flaws into male characters because they want them to be uh, strong female characters. And so it takes away sort of the the underlying thing that makes for interesting character development. And that was his complaint in his piece that then gets aggregated by the Daily Mail or something as this guy slams woke Hollywood for the way that they portray women and, you know, read this. And the post, the original post was behind a paywall and it seemed pretty obvious that the aggregator at Daily Mail didn't have access to the full post and just came up with the headline and the write-up about it. And then it gets recycled on Twitter by everyone who already hates this guy for being anti-identitarian politics type and and, and for being sand in the gears uh, whenever somebody brings up identity politics stuff. And so it gets shared as, uh, look at this fucking idiot. Uh, And they they share an unflattering screenshot of him. And he's a big fat fella because he takes antidepressant meds in order to not, and antipsychotics in order to not have bipolar disorder and, and schizophrenia. Right. And so he has the side effect of taking these drugs that blows him up into this big fat slob of a guy looking right. like when you take this, like, I'm not trying to be mean, no, but like right, you right, show right. a screenshot right. of the guy right. as is, you know, he looks disheveled and fat and it's not, it's not a nice portrayal of him. Right. And they're like, Oh, we're going to listen to this guy. To, yeah. Go ahead and explain women to me. This guy is the meme that then goes around on Twitter. And it's like, Oh man. And it doesn't even represent his views in the first place, right? And so everybody is talking about him in a way that is simply not true. And his complaint is basically like, at the very least, like, even if you hate me, I deserve to be talked about in terms of the truth, right? And like, and and nobody ever suffers any consequences for telling lies about, and now I've sort of derailed this conversation, but like, it is another case of people never paying any price for saying a uh, factual inaccuracy as long as the target is the correct one. So in the case of Freddie DeBoer, as long as Freddie DeBoer is an unpleasant person, according to the media class, they can say whatever they want about him. And if somebody comes back and says, yeah, but actually that's not true. He didn't write that thing about this movie. You've got this criticism all wrong. It's like, yeah, but 
but still, he fucking sucks. Exactly. So like, yeah. he has other bad opinions. So right. just the fact that uh, this one isn't the case doesn't fucking matter. Freddie DeBoer is an unperson in that way, and in the same way, the Biden administration is wrong about the way that they're handling the border, according to Republicans. Any one anecdote turns out to be false. Doesn't fucking matter at all. Right. You know, I do wonder. Um, was it something about his headline that captured the attention of the repackaging uh, of his uh, story? What? Because you know, the full article I imagine is more nuanced, and and the point that he's making is is sound, right? There's nothing wrong with the point. It's like there's this weakness in the way you write these characters because you're trying to project strength, but you want a fully formed character, and there's got to be some weaknesses. But like, what was the headline like that? captured the attention did he write the headline was something like top writer slams woke hollywood for whatever that's the repackaged headline but like what was it about his headline on Substack, like somebody must have read it or... Well, he gave the first two... He gave, So in a Substack that you don't pay for, you yeah. can read the first two paragraphs or whatever and then move on from there. But it was basically he was panning the movie and somehow they were able to draw from the first two paragraphs right. of his bad review of the movie that he doesn't like woke Hollywood, right. which is it's just not what it was right. at I, all about. I do wonder with, with the, the potential peril that exists where somebody can take like the upshot of like a otherwise nuanced article. Like if somebody can repackage it and then it'll be consumed in a shallow way online, right? Where basically this person is against woke, whatever, right? Like that's, that's how people are going to consume this story, right? They're not going to go back to the original source and read the Substack. I don't even know if it's available for everyone to read. You'd have to be like a subscriber, I guess. But like now the story is the repackaged version, right? So that's like, once removed from the original source, and it's entirely different. Uh, it gives you an entirely different perspective, like than what his original point was. So I wonder if it's possible to like, if you want to avoid that, like to be repackaged for ill. Maybe the the upshot headline that's like that it grabbed your attention. Maybe it's not the right move. Like especially if you're a Substack person, they're gonna come to you anyways, right? So maybe don't. Use the same tools. I think in the case use. of this, in the case of this particular writer, people are going to interpret him in the most negative way possible, according to their priors, no matter what. So there's no winning except right. for him to shut up, which is ultimately what they want. Right. They just don't. If he's going to exist in the public sphere at all, they want to be permitted to dunk on him. And their preference, their expressed preference anyway, would be, why can't this person just go away? Why can't why can't he just be fully unpersoned to me so that I never have to deal with him again? Right. Although, by the uh, way, for what it's worth, the Fast and Furious franchises are all projecting strength without any sort of nuance. And they make a lot of money, right? So, like... You know, you, women? No. But, like, you know, if, if his argument is that... The, oh, fe- the female okay. character, the flaw that there's no flaw. Yeah, but de- I don't think people think those are good. Right, but they're making money. I mean, this movie, like, the reason why they're dunking on this latest movie is because not only was it not good, but it mm, made no money. Like, I if see. it made all the money in the world. So yeah. he wasn't even dunking on it once it hadn't made money. He posted his article the night that it came out. Oh, and like before he, the, the weekend. He was not predicting that it wasn't going to make money. Right. He was just saying why, in his opinion, these movies aren't gotcha. interesting to him anymore. It's because the lead female characters don't aren't allowed to be actual characters. Right. Uh, the, the, there's also the possibility that there's just like this fatigue of these movies. I mean, enough. Like, I mean, there's been like 
a gazillion There's faces. A million reasons. Yeah, I think that it's there's no. I mean, this sort of goes to the what happened this weekend with uh, Disney. I don't know what you went to go see this weekend, but I'm going to guess that it wasn't Wish. No, by, yeah, I went uh, to see Napoleon, but yeah, Wish right. did not do so hot. Right. So Wish is Disney's latest and didn't do very well, and it continues the trend of Disney not doing very well. And my response to that is there is no incentive whatsoever as a parent of children who are 11 and 9 years old. I feel no pull to make sure that I get my kids to the theater to see the latest Disney movie because we subscribe to Disney Plus and in three months or right. or if it does even – if it performs particularly poorly, they could have it out in six weeks right. uh, on Disney Plus. It might be three months. It might be six months from now. Ultimately, it doesn't matter because right. we're going to keep paying the goddamn Disney Plus subscriber fee every month uh, uh, basically forever. So I know it's always going to eventually make its way to the to the thing. So unless it's like a huge event movie like Star Wars or something, right. I'm no not needs, going to yeah, insist on making sure that my kids get out to the theater to see it. I, I did uh, – like I said, I did not see Wish, but one of the criticisms I read about it uh, because I was like I'm likely not going to see this movie, so like I'll read up on it. Uh, and the criticism was it's, – it's not like with uh, the female character you can't write them with some nuance. Uh, it was with – you can't have uh, the villains be actual villains. There's always like – they always massage the villain not to where like they have a backstory and there was like a reason why they did it. They can't just be like – I'm the evil so-and-so like they had back in the day. Like just this very clean, evil person. They have to have a backstory. I don't know if that's why the movie doesn't work, but like that was one argument that I saw somebody make. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like people are complaining that the, they can't even write evil characters just evil. Why can't you just be evil? Like you Right. In be- our, somehow in our postmodern moment that we can't even have – unvarnished bad guys that right. there needs to be somehow some reason for this person to be conflicted and like mad a at the world. troubled childhood or something, you know, like, oh, right. I'm an asshole it. now because <laughs> somebody else was an asshole? I don't know. It never made sense to me. Yeah. By the way, uh, uh, real quick, because I'm not familiar with this uh, this writer, uh, what, what you kind of like uh, said that he had some past uh, issues. Did he like commit some crime or something? Or why was he, why is he an outcast? He yeah. was he was he harassed he had a mental break uh I mean he doesn't blame it on like he takes full responsibility for it I recommend I mean I'll make sure there's links in the show notes to the, this most recent uh piece of his he's a an engaging writer certainly and I have enjoyed his his essays in the past I do tend to not like it when people write posts like this which end up being all about themselves and actually there's like a larger issue here with anyone who's been canceled i don't know if this has come up on the show before but anybody who's suffered on the wrong end of an online outrage mob often ends up being sort of the focus of their own work in a way moving forward that you don't usually see otherwise We've talked about it and how Pesca is not that way. Right. Pesca is very much somehow not that way. So we've talked about it. But like some of the other ones, like Jesse Single, uh, who's written about the trans stuff a bunch over the last few years, a lot of the stuff that he continues to pump out in terms of content ends up being stories about the way that he is understood in 
the media ecosystem. And a lot of what Freddie DeBoer writes about ends up being about how hated Freddie DeBoer is right. by the rest of the media, how he's shunned by them, how, how people don't like him. And it's interesting to me that that seems almost inescapable, that Pesca seems to be one of the only examples of of somebody who is on the wrong end of a cancel mob who has not looked inward uh, in a way that a lot of these other people do. I, I wonder if the experience like brands you as that, like the thing that happened to you. And now you have to kind of like – people are relating to you now because of they, they know the thing that happened to you, right? I right. don't know. I wonder if that's – what Chappelle is. is sort of another one who doesn't dwell on it either, right? I think, but he's Chappelle, not canceled in any sense. I mean, he, he can sell right, out anywhere. He at any would time. be uh, by the, the powers trans, that the, be. Yeah, the he made the the not really funny trans jokes, right? But he's not like in a position to where he can be canceled. I mean, like, trans jokes exist on a spectrum. I think it's fair to say, and his are funnier than most of the ones that I've seen. Uh, so whatever. <laughs> anyway. Uh, trans jokes exist on a spectrum is a funny set of words to say uh, in, the, in, in context. Uh, let's see here. What else? Uh, Google will start deleting inactive accounts in December. Uh, so if you've got an inactive Google account, what with makes a bunch it of, inactive? Yeah. Under Google's updated inactive account policy, which the tech giant announced back in May, accounts that haven't been used in at least two years What's could used be mean? deleted. What do you mean used? Logged like, into? Oh, if, just log in. Okay, so if, if I'm getting emails in that account that I'm not accessing, it doesn't count. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what. I mean, I ignore like in excess of ninety nine percent of the emails that come into my primary Gmail account. Is that technically inactive? <laughs> I don't think no, so. No, <laughs> because you still use it. But like my old email. I don't use, but it still gets garbage. Accounts that haven't been used for a long time are more likely to be compromised, the company said, noting that forgotten or unattended accounts typically have old passwords, often lack two-factor authentication, and receive fewer security checks. As a result, these accounts could be hijacked and used for spam or other malicious content, as well as identity theft. You would think that, you know, if that were true, wouldn't there be... Tons of like of these accounts that have been hacked and compromised. If they're just still idly well, they probably have. sitting there. They probably have. I imagine it. Like I don't think that there's a ton of. I don't think the problem is that they're trying to delete a hundred thousand photos from right. somebody's Google Photos account that hasn't been logged into in two years. I think it is probably more legitimately that there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of these old Gmail accounts floating around that could easily be. I mean, and no doubt already are on the dark web with passwords right. attached Although, to them. Although, in a weird uh, way, those accounts would not be eligible for this deletion, right? Because they've been—they're active. <laughs> Somebody's using it, not the right person. That's true. <laughs> anyway, so if you have too old, late, if you have old Google accounts, uh, you're going to want to log into them uh, to keep that. Stuff I have a, still active a, a Gmail account that I just use to fill out forms that I don't care for. Like, ah, oh, this website, this email address is just going to receive this nonsense like but i never access right. it so maybe i need to log into that i have a garbage email yeah. but it's outlook oh, okay uh, sandy hook families won a 1.5 billion dollar legal judgment against alex jones and are now uh, offering to settle that debt for 85 million dollars over 10 years and this is uh, because of jones's ongoing uh, personal bankruptcy issues and also that he claims because he doesn't have 1.5 billion in any event right quickly on uh, israel 
there was a pause uh, that has now been extended for two more days. It was set to end, I believe, tonight that the, the pause in fighting was going to end. They have agreed to extend the pause uh, with, with further agreements to send more hostages back. Some 50-odd hostages, I believe, have been returned so far, uh, and that is in exchange for uh, 100-odd Palestinian prisoners. We could probably make some stink, or I could anyway, about the way this was covered in a both sidesy sort of way, where there were shots of excited Palestinians receiving prisoners back from Israel. Uh, and these are people that had been convicted of actual crimes, right. including a woman who attempted to set a car bomb off and kill a whole bunch of people and instead it malfunctioned and it only disfigured her and so the new york times is running an article about this and it says that this disfigured palestinian woman uh is has been released back without making mention of the way in which she was disfigured which was that she was an attempted suicide bomber who lived because her bomb wasn't big enough or didn't go off in the correct fashion whereas the Israelis who've been handed back over to Israel were women and children who were taken by uh, terrorists uh, out of their homes uh, seven weeks ago. Not exactly equivalent in terms of the way that we should understand those situations. But I don't – whatever. That's just typical complaining about the media nonsense. I don't know if there's anything to add to well, that. Well, you know, I, I do want – you know, like when the hostages were taken – the squeamishness was that it was going to be used for this purpose, right? Like we're going to use it to get some concessions or some extractions, and that's what is actually happening, right? Like they're getting people who have been in prison back in exchange. I think that that that's just cover for what they're actually getting and the reason that they were actually taken in the first place, which is to – as bargaining chips to extend the life of Hamas. Right, basically. but okay, so this so is, what you said that we're up to fifty hostages released. What was the original number? Somewhere in the two hundreds. Uh, there's not an exact two forty. Yeah. I think was the number. Yeah. So like the you know the, the 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 releasing of the prisoners in this fashion will buy more and more pause. But like when you get to the end, like what's the like what's Hamas's idea? Like the you you get some of the prisoners back, you give up the 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 hostages who are still alive, and then when just well, I think that the hope the hope is that the pause becomes something that is uh, it's politically untenable for Israel to resume fighting. That once you introduce a week or so of uh, right. of a ceasefire, that that becomes it becomes politically unpalatable for Israel to start the war again because the world will say, well, if we can pause for a week, why can't we pause for longer? And that uh, presumably allows Hamas to reconstitute itself in various ways or or plan further attacks or whatever their plan is because it seems to me at this point fairly inconceivable that Israel is going to permit Hamas to uh, continue to operate in Gaza as any sort of – actual authority or is uh, they're not going to permit the situation that's that's been the the case on the ground since 2007 uh, to continue any further they're going to occupy that part of the world in a way that they've been accused of 
uh, of occupying in the past that 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 is now going to be the case uh i don't know what the what hamas's long game is i don't think that uh uh islamic death cults uh usually have a long right, but game but that but what's uh, interesting <laughs> their their long game is uh is not in this realm uh, to you shorten the game yes uh i do uh Wonder though, like, what do you what do you make of the fact that the pauses there, ad- Hamas is adhering to it? Do you think it it speaks to their weaker than expected position? Like, are they like decimated and they're like, we need to play this angle to buy up some time so we can reconstitute? I guess so. I've seen some indication that this is going really well for Israel. Uh, that this is going better than they would have expected, and I mean that's a distasteful thing to talk about in the face of whether you believe that there are 13,000 dead Palestinians right. and and X number of children as a percentage of that or not. The level of destruction is, is awful just in terms of physical infrastructure. And, and there are some, no doubt, many thousands of people who are, are dead as a result of this. So it, you don't like to talk about it in terms of how well it's going, obviously. But uh, it seems, relatively speaking, to have gone well for Israel here in the last uh, couple of weeks uh, in terms of uh, moving through areas and taking minimal casualties themselves and establishing control of large portions of northern Gaza. I also read that a pause could be used. Of course, they're going to say in the terms of the deal – uh, and you can't spy on us. Like you can't, Israel can't have drones flying overhead and watching the streets and what have you. But we're their best friends with the United States, and Someone's we watching. can take pictures. Right. right, we can take pictures of license plates from fucking outer space, uh, where you don't know whether or not you're being watched, and that's definitely happening. So presumably, they're gathering a great deal of intelligence about where. Uh, various supplies are being moved, including the humanitarian aid that gets sent in by the truckload and then confiscated by Hamas to to use to their own ends rather than uh, strictly for uh, the purposes of helping their civilians. I mean, it, whatever. I, uh, I, I don't need to rehash, I suppose, uh, how utterly unacceptable Hamas's behavior is and how any defense of Hamas uh, is is simply confused, I think, about the reality of uh, the situation there. Speaking of Pesca, uh, I do recommend if people have not listened to him in the past, he was there for four or five days last week and did some reporting uh, on the ground out there. And his his shows last week were absolutely, or maybe two weeks ago now, I don't know, were absolutely worth uh, listening to uh, in terms of what he was uh, what he witnessed while he was there in Israel. I don't know what it looks like, obviously, moving forward. I don't think that the truce uh, maintains much beyond this next two-day window. Uh, like I said, I unless for whatever reason Hamas suddenly decides that they are going to send all of the hostages back and also renounce any claim to authority in the region— uh, I don't think Israel is going to stop what they're doing. Right. Uh, one of the, one of the concerns during the the initial phase when they were uh, when Israel was attacking uh, the Gaza Strip was that part of the collateral damage includes or is likely to include some of the hostages uh, that were being held. I, I can't imagine that uh, Hamas is 
providing like Israel and, and Qatar and the U.S., the people that are part of the negotiations, like an updated count to say, oh, well, we had 240, but you killed like 80 of them and we're only working now with, you know, a lower number. They, they're likely going to keep right. that number, that original number, even if they're not, they can't account for all of them, right? Just for negotiation. Uh, but yeah. Right, which they say they don't even know. Like their claim... Their claim is that they don't know because Palestinian Islamic Jihad has some and like other random Palestinian angry groups have some. But yeah, uh, an ongoing uh, awful situation there. There was a, uh, a shooting near the University of Vermont over the Thanksgiving weekend in which a uh, fella shot three Palestinian uh, male youths, uh, college students themselves who were home or in the area uh, for Thanksgiving festivities and uh, had been bowling or uh, something along those lines and were walking home. And he saw them on the street and heard them speaking uh, in a combination of English and some foreign language that he didn't take too kindly to. And he, uh, he shot them. He shot all three of them there and, uh, all of them have lived. One of them is apparently in worse condition than the other two, but they're all still in the hospital, obviously. Actually, I have uh, uh, not heard. I, mean, I guess maybe just during the weekend, I just wasn't paying attention that closely, but this is news to me, literally. This is the first I've heard of the story. Oh, really? Yeah, I haven't heard about this either. Uh, suspect in shooting of three men of Palestinian descent near the University of Vermont pleads not guilty. That's uh, from the AP. How can the you know? AP. How can you know someone's of Palestinian descent? It's remarkable. So this is not something that he planned. This was literally a crime of opportunity. Just in the moment, hey, they sound foreign sounding, and I can attribute it to Palestinian, and I'm going to shoot them. Uh, the three, three men all age 20 were spending their Thanksgiving break in Burlington and were out for a walk while visiting one of the victim's relatives. When they were confronted by a white man with a handgun, police said they stated that the person had not made any comments to them and had merely approached them while they were walking down the street, essentially minding their own business. Two of the young men were struck in their torsos while one was hit in the lower extremities. All three were being treated at the university of Vermont medical center and one faces a long recovery because of spinal injury. Uh, they were wearing – two of them apparently were wearing the uh, traditional Palestinian uh, – that starts with a K. What the hell do they call it? I should it? know it, but I don't. You should know it. Um, <laughs> it's not a turban. It's like a kifa or a kafal or something. God damn it. Googling traditional Palestinian headdress. K-E-F-F-I-Y-E-H. There we go. Kef, kef- Hey. Yeah. Beautiful. I said that possibly worse than I would say uh, a top 40 uh, pop act. Kafia. The correct pronunciation, according to Google, is Kafia. Although I uh, Googled up how does Nancy Cordes pronounce her name because I was watching uh, the CBS yeah. News in the, in the hopes of finding Strassman getting off a good one. And uh, Google insisted that it's uh, Cords, that her name is Cords. Mm. And then, like, my Googling got it. We, we talked before about, like, things that you yes. Googled that you shouldn't talk about uh, publicly. Yeah. So now I'm Googling, like, wait, Nancy... <laughs> so I Googled Nancy Cords 
ethnicity and it comes back as American. And I'm like, no, Google, like her real ethnicity. What do you tell me? I, I get it. She, yeah, she's born an American, but like be serious. So when my clients and coworkers are like, what does Bob do all day? <laughs> he's, he's arguing with That's Google not- over how white Nancy Cords is. Uh, <laughs> anyway, she says her name. He uh, Googles pronunciations. Yeah. That's what he does. Anyway, this guy is uh, not yet going to be charged with a uh, hate crime, Abe. Um, and I don't know if I've become fully radicalized on the hate crime issue or if I always was. But like I, the, the hate crime stuff, I, I do not understand at all the virtue of... If it turns out that this guy had the correct amount of hate in his heart when he shot these three people simply walking down the street minding their own business, that that should be some sort of an escalation of the crime that he committed rather than – like to me, that's that's an explanation for his psychological state at the time and tells me nothing about how he should be punished, right? right? Because like – all that goes into building this person into this sort of hateful asshole who's going to take his gun out and shoot three random 20-year-olds on the street because they look wrong or sound wrong to him is a like who is being why is he bearing the brunt of of the way of the culture that he was raised right. in that led him like not to take responsibility away from the thing that he did right. which i think he should be held responsible for and punished for uh, uh within reason right, right? Uh, he tried to kill three people on the street he should probably go to jail for an extremely long time because he's not the sort of person who should be trusted to walk around uh, possibly armed in public right. right because apparently he shoots people right. uh when he does that uh the the psycholo- underlying psychological state that allowed him to get there is of absolutely no consequence to him, the individual who then did that thing. It's of interest to some extent to understanding the culture, maybe, but in terms of like taking that information and then applying it uh, back around to this one asshole, I don't understand. So, you know, when it comes to crimes, uh, they generally want to be as clear as possible as to what crime you're being charged with. You know, I think like for sentencing, there shouldn't really be, you know, if I shoot three people, I shot three people, right? And so if, I, if, if that was like attempted murder, but there's no like uh, hate crime, right? And that's 20 years. And if there is hate crime, it should be 20 years. Like it, it, should, it should just be just for classification, like a, the taxonomy of just the crime. Like you committed. And as I've said right. many times before, give me hate any right. day over well, like just no, random but, nonsense but okay. so, right so like, i think the the uh, what they're trying to get at uh the language that they use is kind of obnoxious but like is this a crime because you're committing this crime because of something that these people individually did or is it because of an ideologically motivated reason or is it a group based reason like i just need to find any like brown Skin. Who cares? You're allowed to think awful things. Like, I can't get past it. You're allowed to think awful fucking right. things. But that's different, uh, though, right? I mean, the why you did something matters, right? Like, I mean, the, when the, uh, was it the Aurora, Colorado theater shooting? He was charged with extreme indifference. Like, it's like the other end of the pendulum of like, man, you didn't care about anything. You weren't doing it for race or 
sex or what you're just killing literally anybody and i and they have a law in colorado extreme indifference like as if like but but the 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 sentencing should be the same as extreme difference or whatever right like it shouldn't be any difference with the with the sentence the punishment the years right i think the year should be the same no matter what but for tracking and like looking things up to see if there's any pattern of, of problems like yeah n- you know worded in such a way as to be accurate i don't have a problem with that but like yeah it shouldn't be like a an additional punishment because you i mean you're shooting somebody you you're, you don't love them right so like i mean yeah for sentencing i guess yeah but crime of passion you do love them though <laughs> yeah so it's different but i think it is important to you know Every single domestic violence crime is a crime of hate. Like, what are we talking about? No, but hate group, they mean group hate. They're not talking about individual. I hate, like, you know, like, if I. Right, but who fucking cares that this guy hates the group? He's revealed himself to be an antisocial piece of shit who should go to jail for a long time. It doesn't have anything to do with the underlying nonsense that he believes about black and brown people or whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Like, it, it's unfortunate that that is uh, the way that he is. If we're going to actually hold him responsible for the crime that he right. committed, it shouldn't have anything to do with uh, what he believes about uh, uh, black and but brown that, people. That, I don't that get is, it. You don't think that that is important information to suss out because – okay, let me give you an example. If there was um, a pattern of crime in like the northeast and, and the, the, the crime, the people that were getting shot were all like – let's say Jewish or, or women or black people. And it's like one type of group, right? They, this person, these different people are committing these different acts of crime towards a specific group. Like, isn't that important information to society? Like, Hey, there's something going on where people are targeting specific groups of people. I think it is an interesting, it's an interesting conversation to have about crime rate statistics and all of that. I agree 100%. If uh, the overwhelming majority of uh, physical assaults against Asians in, in the Bay area are committed by uh, African-American people experiencing mental health distress and experiencing homelessness, then yeah, that's an interesting fact. Do I think that that person should be charged with a hate crime and therefore sentenced to an additional 18 years in jail or something because they were in the process of hating that Asian person when they decided to uh, to, to strike them down? Like, no, I think that's absurd. You punish the crime that happened and you worry about the soci- sociological implications from an academic perspective and write about it in your bullshit papers. And it doesn't apply to real life. I, I, in I any think, meaningful I, I, way. I do think you're – with the sentencing, the number of years, I 100 percent agree. But I think you're giving the the reasons why they do this like short trust because, again, if I hate you, Bob, right, the only threat – the general society is not at – there's, there's no uh, – I put no risk to anybody other than you, right? And like if you're like in Alaska, well, fuck, I'm not going to go to Alaska. So you're you're safe too, right? So basically there's no public danger, right? But if I hate like any like tall person, like it's important that that information kind of seep into the general public. Like there's a tall people killer right. person. Right, if, if there's a weird, if there's a weird, weird murder cult right. developing online that's like I'm against anyone over the six foot five, right? right? And that all people must be prevented from procreating if they're over six foot five and we're going to go out and castrate anybody who's over the height of six foot five yes that's the sort of thing that but but should that attempted castrato uh then 
have to go to jail for an no, extra 12 years? No, 100% not. No. Because it, yeah. right, castrator. Castrator is the person who Right, that's the person who got castrated. But the, the person who attempts yes. uh, to take your balls, is that person go to jail for a longer right. time because they were experiencing the fucking insanity of belonging to this weirdo cult? Of right. course not. Yeah, I think, yeah. Like, and that's all yeah. I'm talking I think, about. It is that take it out of the criminal justice system and put it back in the stupid sociological discussions uh, where it belongs. Well, while they're at it, though, they shouldn't clean up the sentencing guidelines anyways. I mean, like, if somebody committed a yeah. crime, the range shouldn't be 5 to, like, 30. And it, it should be a little more precise. Right. To say nothing of the fact that the same people who are all in favor of hate crime legislation and, and prosecuting people for hate crimes are also supposed to be about restorative justice and, and uh, fixing right. the judicial uh, and sentencing laws so that people aren't spending an excessive amount of time in jail. Like, how do, the, how do you jive right. those two things together? All right, uh, let's open up the uh, cast iron balls. It's time for sports. <laughs> Abe, it was a spectacular. I feel so sad that you missed everything. Weekend of college football. <laughs> and it was an even better, I mean, arguably, uh, as long as we're talking about oh, my perspective, yeah. the NFL <laughs> slate was even more exciting <laughs> because I hit, I hit another six-game parlay and I turned a $10 bet into $494.95. And when his daughter found out, she said, what are you going to do with that money? And he said, I'm going to gamble it more. And she goes, oh, daddy. (laughs) She was quite disappointed. Just the nine-year-old, just like, you fucking kidding me? All right. By the way, did did you uh, bet a lot of overs? Because uh, apparently they're like uh, this this weekend was like either tied the record or broke the record for number of favorite teams to have won in the NFL. Like it was like twelve or however many teams. Well, let's see. I will pull up the uh, I will pull up the parlay here because obviously that's what that's the sort of content people love. I had the Falcons plus I don't one. Think and anyone a- likes any of this content, Fal- so it doesn't matter. Falcons plus one and a half at home. I had the Titans minus three and a half at home. I had the Jaguars minus one and a half on the road at Houston. By the way. Uh, there's always one, at least one, obviously, in a <laughs> seriously. It's usually a bunch in a six-way parlay where things can go right. sideways. And at the end of that Jags Texans game, the Texans kicker uh, doinked a, a yeah, field I goal saw that. I cut. off the off the bottom crossbar from 50 plus yards to to save my parlay in the early going. So that was good. Then I took the Giants plus four and a half at home. Then I had the Rams minus two and a half on the road against the Cardinals and the Broncos minus one and a half at home. So it was a nice combination of teams catching points and laying points. Although I will say, if you're catching points at home against a division rival, I like it, generally speaking. Uh, That's two parlays you hit this year, this season, right? After yes. never previously hitting a six-way parlay for, these, for this sort of return, uh, I hit two picking against the spread. That's just, man, that's good. Anyway, I was kidding about how the NFL slate was better. It certainly wasn't the uh, the college football was where it was at. But before was we the- get into the games, if we're going to talk about a couple of games, I want to play a clip from an episode of Real Sports from last week in which Jim Ursay was interviewed. Jim Ursay, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, inherited the team from his a deceased old man at the ripe age of 37 years old. 
uh, back in the late 90s, I He's believe. Self-made man. Self-made man, yeah. That's not it. <laughs> He's one of these billionaires like the, the, the Dolan from the yes. Knicks who thinks he should be a rock yeah. star. And so he, he gets up on stage and pretends that he's a rock star and plays like Rolling Stones covers and Bob Dylan covers and stuff. And it's really right. embarrassing. He's, he's also bought a uh, lot if of you like... anybody besides Jim right. Ursa. I think he's also bought a lot of like music memorabilia. Yeah, he's got a whole museum. A billion dollars. Of... Why wouldn't he buy things? I'd buy things. Yeah, and his dad probably bought the Colts uh, back in Baltimore yes. for like $14 right. or something. <laughs> And then now it's worth like four and a half billion right. dollars, and he makes the city build him billion dollar what palaces. A, what a racket! A racket is exactly right. Seventy five million dollars to not work. There's there's no more disgusting thing. Yes. We will get to that in just a moment. I'm going to play a clip here from Jim Ursay's interview. He's going to say something that is going to strike you as ridiculous right. and impossible and absurd, but. On the other side of it, I will uh, offer an opinion uh, that suggests that, from a certain perspective, he's not, he's not wrong. And he ultimately pleaded guilty to driving under the influence. Was that the low point for you? No, not really, because the arrest was wrong. I had just had hip surgery and been in the car for 45 minutes. And what, they asked me to walk the line? Are you kidding me? I can barely walk at all. And so I you're knew... saying you couldn't walk because you'd had the hip surgery, not because you were on any kind yes. of painkillers? I mean, I'm not saying that. It's a fact. So why did you plead to the misdemeanor? Just to get it over with, look at, I am prejudiced against because I'm a rich white billionaire. If I'm just the, the average guy down the block, they're not pulling me in. Of course not. Do you know what it's going to sound like if people hear you say they're prejudiced against a rich white I don't care what it sounds like. It's the truth. I don't, you know, Andre, I could give a damn what people think, how anything sounds or sounds like. The truth is the truth. And I know the truth. 2014. Oh, well, what is this? Ah. <laughs> it is funny that they get uh, Abe right reacting to Peyton Manning's uh, <laughs> shining right there. visage Ooh. showing up on the screen. He's a great guy. Uh, but it's funny to me that they got Peyton Manning. The only two interviews that happen in this uh, extended like 15-minute profile of Colts owner Jim Ursay are Jim Ursay himself and Peyton Manning, who seems to have been brought in just to be like, yep, I'm friends with old yeah. Jimmy. Uh and do a little bit of Jim Ursay ball washing. Uh, sort of why Peyton is here, uh, which is which is unfortunate. Like you you have Jim Ursay say that, and it's smash cut to Peyton Manning's face, sort of going, eh, eh, "That's Jim. Like, what are you gonna do?" Uh, and on, at the end of the segment, and I'll try to find it here. Uh, Bryant Gumble's a smarmy fuck. Oh yeah, it's like uh, an HBO just, thing. Like him and Bill Maher. It's a shame that they're gonna break up the team, but like. But yeah, Gumble, Gumble's quite a smarmy fuck. I give him credit for not having a bunch of fucking weird plastic surgery because he's starting to look old and like shit, which yeah. is how mm -hmm. I want my Naturally old people old. to look. Yes. Right. He looks old. Good for you there, Bryant. You, you think got his, Hollywood Are you money. accusing his brother of uh, touching I don't know. I don't face? think – I haven't seen enough Greg Gumble in recent <laughs> – like the recent Greg Gumble vintage to know. He's in one of those studio uh, shows, right? Uh, one of them. Is he on the studio show? I thought he was still a play-by-play -play guy for CBS. Oh, maybe I'm confusing him with another Greg Gumble. 
I don't know. I don't watch the, uh, obviously, I don't watch the, the NFL studio shows. Unrelated, uh, or tangentially related, it used to be so important to me when I was, uh, like, my son's age, like 9, 10, 11 years old, to watch the noon Fox and CBS like the setting pre-show? the day up, yeah. the pre-show thing, just to get a feel. Because that that, that was the only time you got that. Right. Now that is all the time. I, this is the same time of life where I had to literally pick up from the newspaper the piece of paper that told me what games were going to be on television yeah. that day uh, in order to find out uh, what game I was going to be able to watch. But anyway, here's, uh, here's Bryant Gumble coming out of the uh, Jim Irsay segment. Is that sort of your way of saying, I'm still here? Definitely. I'm still alive? You know, like Elton John, I'm still standing, you know, and just train keeps rolling, man. Andrea, they're prejudiced against me because I'm a rich, white Why am I so surprised you're starting that Does he have any idea just how foolish that sounds? Well, clearly not, because I asked him about it twice, and he maintains that. He was very vociferous about it, said it over and over again, and this is what he believes. Let me, let me ask in a different fashion. All right. Um, he's clearly a guy You're not who, getting the answer you no, want? No, no, no. He's clearly a guy who has had everything given to him. Correct. Um, does he realize how lucky he is? Yeah, I think he, of course I think he realizes how lucky he is. He, he knows what he inherited. Uh, but there's good things and bad things that he inherited, and I think that we we tried to show a lot of the negative things that he inherited as well, which are is the ad- addictive behavior, the alcoholism, and and things of that nature. His his dad was viewed as um, I'll be the unkind person here as a joke mm-hmm. among NFL mm-hmm. owners. Um, is his reputation any better? Yeah, his reputation is definitely better around the league, uh, in the sense that he's made the team work fiscally. He's won a Super Bowl. And he's been extremely outspoken. When the issues with Dan Snyder came up, he was the only owner that spoke up, which goes against the code of, of the NFL. But this is, this is who he is in his life. He's going to say what he believes, whether you like it or, or not, or whether I do. You like him. I found him to be extremely cooperative, and he gave us all the access that we wanted. And here's one reason that you would like him more. He has an emotional support animal that he calls the holy dog. He said... The creature, at least, has never betrayed him. Why do I feel sorry for the dog? <laughs> Andrea, oh, thank you. <laughs> Why do I feel sorry uh, for the dog, Gumbel, Brian Gumbel says. I know people uh, label him a smarmy little shit, and he is, but, like... <laughs> By the way, so I... Uh, because I uh, have a weird uh, TV viewing uh, habit, uh, I, I did not see the, the, the segment, the full segment, but I did see... Uh, it was being shared in the Colts uh, forums. Ursay went on like a, a Twitter t- tirade that's very reminiscent of like Trump. Like he just went on this like multiple tweet storm of just like making. He he gave his reaction to the interview. I think he he made some criticism of Gumble and how unfair his remarks were. Like and he, he just kept on going and go- I thought he was gonna say something like. Like something, I don't know. Like I was like, maybe you need to somebody needs to take the the Twitter phone off your hands, right? You know, uh, his his comments. Uh, obviously, people are going to react to it in, in 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 a predictable way. Like, what is this guy talking about? Blah blah blah. But I do find it interesting. I find it interesting that there exists that frame of mind that he 
thinks that the police are prejudiced against like a rich white billionaire and that others that that are not that are getting away with things. Like if I was anybody else, like the cops aren't bothering those people. Like, like, and he honestly believe. I mean, just listening to him, he's not. There's not some cover. Like he honestly believes what he's saying. Uh, and so, like, it's just of weird. course he does. Yeah. So it's just odd. It's that, the like, easiest. It is the easiest coat to put on. Is the the coat of victimhood. Is the the coat of the aggrieved? But that it is doesn't matter. Such an implausible reality, right? That the cops are like. I mean, for what the- does reality have to do with a willingness to view yourself as a victim? It has absolutely nothing to do with reality, and that it, that's a lesson that you should take. <laughs> you you should take every claim of identity based victimhood with an enormous grain of salt. And Jim Ursay is the reason why, okay? Right. And it's not because he is uniquely wrong about the fact that, that that the police have prejudice against him because of the amount of money and and status and power that he has, uh, which he clearly, like, uh, he is. State that fact. He is wrong about this idea that he was treated worse because he's a rich white billionaire. That's an absurdity. But also, and this is where I will uh, sort of defend his idea, his conception of it in this case, given the wider culture's insistence on the legitimacy of standpoint epistemology, of this idea that the only truth that matters is the truth uh, from which you're standing, right? And that your experience of the world as a blank, as a white, as a black, as a woman, as a LGBTQ, as a whatever, grants legitimacy to whatever it is that you're claiming. Uh, I fully understand why he fully believes in this, if this is the the water that he's swimming in, which is our, our wider culture of my experience is valid because of who I am. Uh, I, I fully understand it. Of course, as, as mentioned earlier, uh, those who would uh, promote the, that sort of understanding of the world would likely be disinclined to grant him uh, that that level of uh, of understanding of the world. Well, uh, it's just no one's going to feel sorry for him. And, like, he's not wrong. But that's that part of A it. lot of other people in that scenario, someone might be like, oh, well, they had all this other shit going on. But it's like, no, fuck you. You're an old rich white guy. You're fine. Like, no one is going to feel sorry for him. And I guess there's a little bit of, like, you know, that kind of sucks to get no sympathy where other people might get sympathy. I'd- right, but that's not what he's saying. That is, I think that the fact that he got zero sympathy and was humiliated in front of everyone, and that's like the ultimate problem here, right, right? is that he was made to be a fool right. in front of the world. And so now he has to sort of uh, reverse engineer a reason for why it happened. Right. I do wonder, or I, I wonder if there is a recognition of what you said, Bob, like, you know, if you set aside the stupid thing he's saying, that framework uh, of, of 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 thinking that that I am being prejudiced against because I belong to this group, right? It's a group-based kind of prejudice, and I'm getting it. Like that model, that model 
is being used every, in in every other setting. Like, I wonder if there's a recognition that he's using the same playbook that others are using. Like in this case, the for, so basically, it's like if you treat it as a formula, the formula fails because it failed here, right? Like obviously, it's clear how that doesn't work, right? But then when you apply it in a, a different context, like. Right, well, because he's telling a story that we reject out of hand, that we think is ridiculous. But if you're telling another sort of story that we might be more inclined to agree with right. or or believe because we can identify with being in that group, then, you know, like you're more likely to, to take it seriously. I mean, any group identity, I think, as I've said uh, as recently as last week, is is something that I reject and find to be ridiculous. Uh, also, it seems like the cops were white fellas, uh, just just for what it's worth. Uh, uh, Which makes the it, Indiana yeah. Poe, but poor. They were yeah. poor, though. Yeah. I bet they were poor. Also, the uh, argument that hey, I was taking drugs that made me unable to walk. Like, I mean, it's not the strongest argument because, like, if you if you're having mobility issues, isn't that like a bad sign for? I mean, like, it it could. I think he was saying that he wasn't impaired by whatever painkillers he was on but that he was impaired by the fact that he was only recently had the hip surgery and therefore while he could sit and drive he couldn't uh, locomote very well i bet that if his hip hurt enough to not be able to walk straight that his doctors would not want him driving yeah almost and also uh, so like he's being irresponsible either way right i mean if anyone has fuck you money it's this guy, right? And so, like, the I pled guilty to the misdemeanor just to make it go go away, first of all. So mm-hmm. much for that. Here it is still, like, nine years later. Right. Uh, and second of all, you have the money to fight it. If you were, like, if you, if you were indeed correct, you would, you know, put in a little more effort, especially if you're Ursic. Like, what's money going to cost you? Yeah. There is a Scandinavian country, might be Denmark, where uh, traffic violations are... Uh, like a sliding scale it's a sliding scale based, based on, on income, okay. yeah. your income and like i think everything should be that way no that's that's probably bad too i don't understand people with fuck you money who continue to insist on driving themselves around right. i know that you want to still be a normal person but if you've just had hip surgery whether you are or are not currently impaired by your uh painkiller pills uh why are you yeah, You're worth weird. a billion and a half dollars or something or, or tens of billions of Employ dollars. Employ someone. Literally have anyone drive you around uh, who's not you. What are you doing driving yourself around, you maniac? Right. I imagine like any rich person in a congested city would have a driver at all times. But if you're like living in the middle of nowhere, maybe that you want that freedom to like do drugs and drive around. You have the freedom to have someone drive you around with that much money. Right. That's freedom. You have freedom to have a driver live in your guest house. I mean, I think it comes down to Jim Irsay was raised as a rich, spoiled kid, and nobody could ever really tell him what to do. Right. Uh, When his dad died. When his dad died, there was literally no one left to tell him what to do. And having not heard uh, what not to do for a very long time, he sees no problem with his incredibly impaired self getting into a car and driving around. All right. uh, Real quick on the... Football games. We don't have to talk about Georgia, Georgia Tech. That was uh, that Abe. Was you missed the best weekend of football. Uh, an and annoying I'm sorry. football game between Georgia and Georgia Tech, but Georgia prevails despite not starting like half the offense and cycling through 
the underclassmen and non-starting de- defensive players basically from the beginning. And and by the way, going with an extremely vanilla defense, according to something that I saw. So no, so, no concern whatsoever? I'm always concerned. I'm concerned about the rush defense, as I have been all season long, especially given that, what's his name? Uh, Jalen Milrow. Jalen Milrow from Alabama went from being a complete disaster at the beginning of the year. And that offensive line, although Alabama, a lot of their issues that they've had all season long uh, were made apparent once again in this. They very nearly lost. In this game, including a last second fuck up by the center where he snaps it past Milrow who wasn't waiting for it uh, or wasn't ready for it. Uh, which was something that they've done like five times this season. Like it's not the first time that that's happened. But Milrow is good, but he is still this sort of like I'm going to check for my, my my guy, and if my first... I know where he's throwing that football, right? If, and I don't know anything. If my and I first, know where he's throwing the football, if, if the first look isn't there, he's going to be quickly. He's going to scramble, and that's the problem on his horse. And the problem is that uh, we haven't had a great deal of success in stopping the rush this season relative to uh, past years. Certainly Georgia's rush defense isn't there. So statistically, I read today, uh, stopping the rush, specifically rushing quarterbacks, is actually not so bad. Our problem is the scrambling quarterback, Uh like the not designed rush, like the not designed run of the quarterback. That's what we're not so great at. I think I saw we're middle of the pack in the SEC and like 47th in the nation in rush defense overall. So like it's a, it's a middling uh, rush defense that we have. And certainly Alabama looks like the sort of team that could exploit that. Well, they're coached by Nick Saban. So there's a concern, but ultimately George is a more talented team than... Technically not. Alabama is. What do you mean it's technically star- not? The, Alabama still technically has the height like the higher star rating right right but we are a more talented team you can look at the statistics and we have proven to be the better team this season and their schedule isn't meaningfully better than ours uh, as far as i can tell i'm not more worried now than i otherwise would have been i think is the is the point this is going to be an awesome game yes the georgia alabama oh yeah it'll be fun the build-up to it the the anxiety of it and i want everyone within the range of my voice to all very, you six people very much appreciate it because it's never going to be like this again what, what are we, you talking about what we are experiencing now in 2023 will not matter as much moving forward the game the college football game is changing oh because things are changing yes in a a way that makes things less interesting i don't know in this exact scenario which is this exact scenario yeah there's a playoff game that's happening this weekend and it's happening at uh mercedes-benz stadium in atlanta and the winner gets to go play for the national championship and uh well gets to go play for the right to go play for the national championship and the loser uh, gets to maybe go play uh, on New Year's Day somewhere else there are in two, a game Yeah, that won't but that's going to be true next year with a 12-team playoff. That will not be true next year. Next year, in this exact scenario, Georgia and Alabama are both in the 12-team field, yes, and there's the, no doubt about it. And worst it of all, start... worst of all, Missouri's in the 12-team field right. too, 
right? A team that uh, isn't even playing in the championship and benefits from the fact that Alabama wouldn't uh, put an absolute beat down on them and, and hand them their third loss of the season, right? Right. Like this is now we're in a scenario where the playoff, uh, because it expands to 12 teams, there will be no reason to expect with the rare exceptions. They might not of, have the conference championship. What do you mean? There absolutely is the conference championship next year. No. The top two teams will play in a conference championship. They've done away with the divisions, okay. and they're going to have the top two teams play. We're playing an eight-game SEC schedule, and the way that we have loved college football before, the reasons that we have loved college football for 20 years, in my case, or 22 years, are are going away in a way that I think matters and is going to negatively impact my feeling about the sport moving It'll forward. It'll be a, a, net, a net positive, I imagine. By the way, there are two... A net positive? I will explain. A net I will positive? explain that in a second. But there are, so there are two playing games this weekend, right? So Friday, it's Oregon-Washington. The winner of that is in. And then on Saturday, right. Georgia-Alabama, the winner of that will get in. I do wonder, I mean, Auburn's fuck up on fourth and forever, uh, cleaned some things up i wondered if alabama had lost that would a two loss alabama winning put them in no but put them in what into the the 14 playoff this year yeah yeah so so here's the scenario had alabama lost which to be clear they did not even though they should have and uh brief aside on the probability win matrix charts 99.9 everybody (laughs) loves to throw around in moments like these uh, I don't remember Abe specifically dumping on win probability charts in the past, uh, but it feels like something that you would have done. Um, I, I, I use it to show people, oh, your team is doing great, 97, and what are you complaining about, and then they lose. Right, insurmountable yeah. lead type yeah. situations. I don't understand why like, – I understand why people like them so yeah. much, but like when you do that, I think you're making a serious mistake about – uh, like prediction stuff in the same way that we fucked up uh, when everybody was so shocked by Donald Trump's victory in right. 2016. And then when you, when you go back and you apply the statistics to it, it's like, well, it was like a 42, 43 yard field yeah. goal that Hillary had to right. make. And like those get yeah, shanked all the fucking all the time. time. I've seen plenty <laughs> of them. Yeah. Not all the time. Right. right. But a lot of the time and like this, this, Some. this 99% win probability sure. stuff when it's a one possession game yes. like you are always one play away from the other team yeah. simply winning yeah the math can't so like be I, right. I, I yeah. don't yeah. i know yeah, that the scenario like- i know that the math goes into it because it's like well how often does a team convert fourth and 31 and the answer is extremely but it, rarely but it shouldn't and it, but but the, the math i don't know i'm not a math person but the math can't be 99.9 in that situation even though that one thing is true that it's implausible in a fourth and forever to do whatever. That's you only just need to clear that one hurdle. Once you clear that, you are in the clear. You're now winning, right? Like, right. The, the, do you know what the it was? I mean, it's a silly thing to say because it is it is anti math, but it's it's fifty fifty. Yeah, if, it's, if Alabama, it's, you're right. Either, and, and either Alabama silly is going to complete a pass for a touchdown right. and win the game. Right. Or they're not, right? right? So 99.9 or 50-50, you tell me. Uh, I, I, I think it was more like a coin flip, especially when you factor in the fact that Auburn's going to rush 
two. You can't rush just two. Yeah, that was... What the fuck are you doing? If I could have bet in that instant, I would have bet $100 that Nick Saban was going to win that game. And it's because I know what he does. I, my biggest regret from a weekend in which I only made money gambling. I made money on uh, four different bets. I didn't lose a single bet wow. this weekend, including turning $10 into $500. I am, despite that fact, furious with myself because what I have consistently done in Alabama games is gone through, and as Alabama becomes the underdog uh, later and later in games, I'm like five more dollars on Alabama. That's what you do. Five more dollars on – they're down by uh, two scores now. Five more dollars on Alabama. And – I've made money doing that in the past, and I'm yeah. furious with myself that I you, was not— Yeah, I'm mad at you for that as well, because— Continually betting five more dollars on Alabama. I think I said this in a text. You Maybe I just said it out loud. You can't let Nick Saban have the ball with just a few seconds left, only up one score. He will win. Like, every time— except that one time 10 years ago in that building. And that's why I don't feel sorry for Auburn one bit because they've never experienced this side of this. They've only experienced the good side of this and fuck them. (laughs) And this is what they get. And they're owed one more at least. There were a lot of really good shots of uh, crying (laughs) Auburn fans in that crowd. The worst people. I, I texted Naveed, uh, my buddy Naveed, in the middle of this game. This one has the feeling of one that Alabama wins and ruins all these people's nice time. And I would be fine with either outcome. Uh, and and like, it's exactly what happened. Uh, oh, it's what they get. Oh, it's what they get. They were having such a nice time. And then Alabama just, I mean, it was, it was, it was amazing. It's one of the most amazing it ends to a amazing. college football game I've ever seen. Michigan was good too. You've got to you've got to blitz on yes. fourth and thirty-one. Yeah. You have to at least rush four. Right. But if you're not going to rush four, like leave a couple linebackers there and put them on a delayed blitz, and then and then send the other right. two. Ask like, Coach Bob. But I mean that, that, that that's obvious. There's yeah, some you vacancies ha- open. You have to force the issue because yeah, if you just let them just kind of like. Stand there. Hail Marys happen right. all the time, and, right? Like it's not a it's not a ninety nine point nine percent scenario right. also, with a hail it's Mary. It's not inconceivable that there's somebody overcorrects and like clumsily runs into the receiver, and now you have an untimed down because there's a a, a pass interference or something. Like the, right. a lot of things could even if if it wasn't a touchdown, you could have had a penalty and give them another chance from a closer distance. Like there, you can't just be lollygagging. The point is, with a blitz, you force the issue. Yes. And, like, there won't be somebody who's just camped right. out in the end zone right. waiting for something to come a little bit open. Right. Like, you force the issue. And, and like, they hadn't been great the, the entire night. Like, the offensive line hadn't been great the entire night. Force the goddamn issue. What are you doing, Auburn? Uh, anyway, yeah, then the uh, Michigan and Ohio State game was also it was great it was a great weekend a, a good football game uh, i think we never answered your question though abe had alabama lost that game uh which they did not and then we went on to explain the amazing way in which alabama ended up winning that game <laughs> but had they lost that game and then beat georgia this coming right. weekend would they be no. in the final four and i think the answer is probably no would, uh, georgia right what a one loss 
No. Right? So, so no. no. It I would think, have depended on what else happened. So if, but, if, if Florida State wins, Florida State's in. And I know that they're not a very good team. They're not impressive. But they're going to be undefeated. They're going to be an ACC conference. Lose. Right, right. But what I'm saying is, assuming Alabama beat Georgia after losing to Auburn, right. let's assume then that uh, either Washington or Oregon, that team right. is in. FSU. Or maybe both. Right. But but – that, going with the winner, right? We have FSU. We have, uh, let's say Washington, and then let's say uh, Michigan. Uh, Michigan. Then it's a conversation of: Is it Ohio State uh, at one loss to or Michigan, yeah. or is it Oregon with one loss? Or I guess they would have two right. at that point. Or is it a two-loss Alabama team? Or a one loss, te- right? Because how does Texas lose that Texas, argument? They've already yeah, beat. They, they beat Alabama. They beat it Alabama, and they're about to win their conference. Yeah, it, it, it's so yeah. If Alabama had lost, yeah. then all they could do would be to play spoiler. Yeah, murder to suicide, basically. Right? They would just take. Oh, we're, right. we're yes. not getting in, but you're not getting in either. But that would have sowed chaos but, to the system, right? Because like, then how do you yeah, come to the fore? A lot of people want that. Well, Georgia Auburn would have denied that. To win. Those fucking assholes. <laughs> what it's like to have right. seen this? In classic <laughs> Auburn. They're the fucking worst. In classic Auburn fashion, that would have been they chaos. had one job, <laughs> and it was to not allow an absurd ending. Because you're right. You know, a, a year from now, you, you, you know, you're not worried about Mizzou or whatever. You know, like, hey, figure it out if you can't get in. Like, if you're out because of some other machination, that's fine. But now. Trying to get four in, knowing like you have a a lame FSU, but the records shows that you should put them in anyways. Uh, yeah, you're gonna run out of slots, and you're gonna have to find a team that lost. And that's why, like, if if Georgia lost in a close SEC title game, they won all these other games. They would still, I mean, their resume is just as strong with a one loss as the other. One yeah. lost teams. I don't know it's, what they would do. I would assume they would be held out, and as a Georgia fan, I would be disappointed. But I would, I wouldn't be like butthurt about it. Like the idea that they deserve to be in the playoff after losing the SEC championship, yeah. I completely disagree. Yeah. If the, you don't win your the, fucking conference, you do not belong in any sort of a playoff. That's the whole yeah. point of a conference championship. One of the writer blogs I listen to, the sports writer blogs, not fucking podcast. One of them, I think, Ari Wasserman has been complaining about the playoff expansion for years now. And this year he's like, okay, fine. This year actually would make more sense. Cause I, more than one team is going to be left out of this 14 playoff that should be in it. Like All right, it's- but that's just that's the entire history of college football is people saying is people arguing. Nope, it was us, and you don't right. deserve it, and we do. Like that's what the sport sure. is and has always been. And this idea that you're going to solve it by expanding the playoff to 12, which will eventually be 16 or something, no doubt, uh, moving forward, is not. It doesn't actually solve the problem. It only makes the sport less interesting leading up to the end of the year. And look no further than. The the fact that this year, this game in a 12-team playoff scenario would not matter at all. Except it for would, seeding. It would just... Right, but who fucking cares? You're in the dance, right? Bye week. And that's all... 
Yeah, I know it would be meaningful and they would want to win. But if you think that it doesn't take the stakes from existential to something significantly less than existential, you're out of your goddamn right. mind. They cannot care enough about the bye week or whatever. They just want to live, right? This gives them an opportunity to fight for their fucking lives and anything else that doesn't allow for that makes for less interesting television, makes for less interesting football. And it sucks. It sucks that Missouri is going to be in a 12-team playoff without having to play in a conference championship game. It sucks that uh, in all likelihood, if you go undefeated in your conference and win your conference championship as, as an SEC champion likely will, whether it's Alabama or Georgia or LSU or Texas or Oklahoma or whoever, that you're going to then have to play. You'll be in a field with two or three teams that you might have already beat that year. Right. <laughs> that you will then you will have earned the right to take one week off and then probably have a rematch against the team that you already goddamn beat. That sucks. That's stupid. And it makes the sport. That worse. is a very minor uh, complaint, uh, which I, I, I agree with. But like the, the, the upside, that's why it's not positive, is that there will no longer be a team that had a viable shot to win deprived of the opportunity to vie for the national title. You're never going to have an undefeated whatever team be denied an opportunity like you did but in the BCS But when we have given years. those teams that opportunity, they've gotten That's dumb That's fine. Trust. You can live with that. T- but at, least, at least it's a known Cincinnati thing. Cincinnati and TCU should not have been in the, in the Final Four the last couple right. of years, yes, as it turns out. Yes, but that's the thing. Out. The ones that weren't maybe should have been. Right. And, again, in in a future year, I mean, you're now not always going to have a competitive year, and there will be a, a lot of uh, non-competitive games that will happen. will be like 60 to like 3 or something. But you can live with that on the occasional year where you have a lot of good teams and everybody's going to have that chance instead of saying, well, there's no room for five. We only have room for four. So, yeah, I think the system will work. The reason that the rivalries matter is because these teams have taken from each other in previous years, right? The reason that Georgia and Florida hate each other is because there's not a lot of other teams that you can point to that have taken more from Georgia just by beating us. Right. Auburn is another great example of a team that has taken from Georgia by beating us in years where we really needed to win, right? It's what makes the rivalries matter. And if the games don't matter because you're still going to get in the playoff regardless, whether you lose two during the regular season and you can still make an argument that you're one of the best 12 teams in the country, then it makes the season less meaningful. And it is, it is, a, it is an ongoing degrading of the, the meaning of these games, which is not just happening in the Southeastern Conference. It's happening uh, all over the country. And it sucks for the sport. It makes it a less interesting thing. It makes it, uh, it, makes it a television product where all they care about is what happens during uh, half a dozen games at the end of the season and how many how many uh, eight to ten million people games get end up end up uh, you can put commercials on rather than uh, the actual experience of a culture that fucking matters uh, and that that has mattered for a very long time. Right, but that that ship has long sailed. I mean, the conference realignment have made rivalries at least it, it has diluted them, and in some in some cases they just stop altogether because they're in different conferences. I mean, maybe it's part of the playoff thing that you're uh, arguing against, but. That has been a thing for a while where the rivalries don't mean as much. 
But new rivalries will come about. You'll have these exotic matchups that you never see, like, oh, Georgia versus Washington or, like, whatever, you know, like a, some other thing. You can, instead of just having this. I mean, we're working on Georgia-Oregon right now. Yeah. That, like, that, you know, we played them right. once and we played them once again. and dump truck. You don't build rivalries ago. by one off fucking games every other year. Like, it's not going to happen. Georgia and the SEC, a, a lot of these long term games that have mattered so much to people simply aren't going to matter as much going forward. And that sucks. And I, and it's, I think it's foolish to think otherwise. I think that it, it's fine to recognize it as, a, as an inevitable fact of television and the, the influence of television and money on the sport. Uh, but I will lament it. And I'm not, uh, I don't think that that makes me a, a romantic fool for lamenting it. I think it. No, but it might make you just like completely close minded. Like it might be fine. It might be fun. It'll be different. It will. Who knows? All, on all points. All right. I had a couple other things here that we can just ignore, Ooh. but we are going to play the Billboard Hot 100 game. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Billboard Hot 100 game on the Cast Iron Brains Radio Network. This week, we'll take a listen to one of the most popular songs in America and see how it stacks up against a correspondingly popular song from some time between the magical years of 1983 and 2012 as our old and out-of-touch hosts desperately grasp for proof that some things really were better back in the day. So let's roll those dice to find out just where and when on the Billboard Hot 100 chart we're going today. So this is the Billboard Hot 100 game. To quickly explain it, uh, we will pr prove the degradation of the culture using the Billboard Hot 100 chart. We will roll the dice to choose a song on this week's Billboard Hot 100 and then compare it to the song in that same position for the same week of a randomly selected year between January of 1983 and July of 2012. Why? Because July 21st, 2012 marks the last time that party rockers LMFAO appeared on the Billboard Hot 100 which was the end of the run for their uh, ubiquitous hit party rock anthem and arguably the end of the run of anything remotely memorable in the world of pop music. Also, it's when we officially became old. I have now rolled the dice, uh, one 100-sided die and one 29-sided die. The uh, number this week is number 64. Ooh which is uh, close to last week's number 66. All right, the number one song this week, once again, is Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer. She's been at number one for four weeks with that song. Yeah, last week was was the Q-Lona at number 66. Yeah. Okay. Q-Lona okay. has moved up to number 65. Thank God <laughs> Q-Lona did not move up two spots because then we'd be <laughs> just repeating ourselves. Uh -huh. That could happen. Uh, number 64 this week is Truck Bed by Hardy. Hmm. I can't even guess okay. the genre. Can you? You think it's country? Uh, it's got to be. It feels country, right? Like How can that not be? Oh, God. Oh, God. It started playing before I could share it, and the first, the first part's not pleasant. Is it country? I woke up on the wrong side. I'm nauseous. Bed this morning with a bone dry bottle of Jack Ice Pudding. Damn, she got some nerve. Where she keep me to the curb? Guess you could say I got what I deserve. Cause I woke up on the wrong side of the truck bed this morning. Oh, God. Yeah. 
She said, don't come home if you yeah. go to the bar. He dropped that beat. I said, okay, baby. Then got drunk out in the yard. 2 a.m. I knock, knock, knock up on the door. But she never unlocked it. Guess I don't live there no more. Yeah, she meant business this time. I can't believe my bloodshot eyes. I woke up. I didn't realize that this was a verse-chorus situation. I wonder if it just goes on that way. Bob. Oh, man. It sure does. It just keeps going like that. Just stop. At least I took my boots off this time. Uh, I woke up on the wrong side of the truck bed this morning with a long drive. Can you turn this off? I didn't know it could get worse. Bob. Good Jesus Lord. Christ, Bob. Whew. Why did that go on so long? It's only a two minute and 47 second long it's, song. It's but so repetitive too. to hear for... all of it. <laughs> that is dreadful is what that was. You know what's worse than that is like people enjoying that. Sorry. Is that like... Yes. So part of this is like uh, we're trying to prove something that I think is a tautology to a certain extent. Modern country music is not meant to be – it's not meant to endure. Right. It's not meant to be memorable, right? Like No I, music now is that. But seemingly that's the case for all music. But It's, yeah, it's all like, like kind of bubblegum, right? Like where it's just like very – Yes. Short shelf life, like it's like it's an earworm for like forty-two seconds, and then it's like I hate this. Please play something else. Eighty-eight is where we're going. This is the week of uh, twenty-six November, nineteen eighty-eight. The number one song was "Bad Medicine" by Bon Jovi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, which is not looking good. That would be one of my least favorite songs. Uh, Ever, probably, but uh, certainly memorable. Uh, let's see here. Scrolling through. I'll try to pull out one from every uh, step along the way here. Got Duran Duran in the top ten. Kylie Minogue's The Locomotion, oh. also in the top ten. Kokomo from the Beach Boys, Gross. number 11. Maybe the worst Beach Boys song. Yeah, but it's better than what we just heard. That's true. Every Rose Has Its Thorn nice. by Poison, number 16. <laughs> Let's see Every here. Rose Does Have Its Thorn. Never Tear Us Apart by NXS, uh, number 32. Smooth Criminal by Michael Jackson at number 38. Love Bites by Def Leppard, 56. Amazing. All right, number 64 is a song called Back on Holiday by Robbie Neville. Or Neville, Robbie N E V I L. Hmm. Ooh, number sixty-five was a Tracy Chapman song called "Baby Can I Hold You." We just missed oh. it. I don't know Robbie Neville, do I? No, I had never heard of the name. I am supremely confident that this will be better than uh, the truck song that we just listened to. I think every song we've heard so far has been better than that song.
don't hate it as much. I mean, it's bad. It's not it's bad. good. I hate it. But I don't actively want to do violence to the people who would have liked this yeah, or the people who made it. Yeah, I'm not disappointed in in humans listening to this. I just this don't like it. This is a like very it. multicultural. We've got a Latino yeah. couple making out in the park. We've got uh, black folks everywhere playing instruments, mopping sweat off their brows. We've got a white lady walking through a junkyard. Yeah, this song sucks, uh, but it's better than the you other can just one. Stop the song. Got youths skateboarding. Oh, gays? Was that gays? This is a very progressive song for its time. I think that's two dudes. Okay, but you can stop it now. No, oh, no, that might have just been a dudely looking chick. Uh, all right, yeah, that sucks, uh, but it's better than uh, Do they, the truck song. The yeah, yeah. Uh, better than the truck song do they track uh peaks like uh the page that you're on like if it was 64 and 88 like was that where it settled or what did they get higher than that because like i've never heard of that song never heard of the band it peaked at it peaked at number 64 okay so there you go number 67 was don't worry be happy uh by bobby mcferrin this was a much better time let's Let's not pretend otherwise. Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses at number 85. See, you love Sweet You love Guns N' Roses. I don't love Guns N' Roses. I think Guns N' Roses is arguably the single most overrated rock and roll band of all time. Uh, yeah, they're not. But it's they're too. way better than the, the Trucks band <laughs> uh, or whatever we just listened to. Uh, so number Number 100. At the end of uh, nineteen November 1988 was Downtown Life by Hall & Oates. Ah, so there you go. go, Abe. We finally found a little Hall & Oates for you. Is it, uh, is it too late to do Strassman? Yes, it sure is. You chose to do something else. It doesn't feel too late to do Strassman. It's 11 o'clock. It doesn't feel... Imagine how it feels. <laughs> it is factually 11.01. It'll feel too late uh, when my alarm goes off tomorrow morning, but it doesn't feel too late right now. All right, we'll hold off on Strassman until uh, next week. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on the internet uh, at various places, including the website brainiron.com or castironbrains.com. For a show note where there will be links to all of the uh, wonderful songs that we've just played for you in the last few minutes. In addition to other news items we may have talked about throughout the evening, also go to tetramermusic.com, T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com for more from Mark Gillig, who wrote our opening and closing themes. Also, uh, once again, Mark's music outshines either of the pieces of shit that we just listened to. Uh, from the Billboard Hot 100. Abe, uh, you spoiled us earlier uh, by letting us know that you went to go see Napoleon. How was Ridley Scott's latest historical episode? So, yeah, so I went to go see Napoleon. The movie was entertaining. It was not good. Um, I just want to clear that up. It's not a good movie, but uh, there was a lot to like. For in- you say that a lot of movies aren't good movies. Right. Surely... It was better than all of the other movies that you have said recently were not good movies. So, I mean, you know, I, I looked at the, uh, the, 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 the critical reaction. It's like, you know, in the 50s, low 60s on Rotten Tomatoes and other metrics, you know, somewhere around there, like around the middle, like not very good. But it's not like critically panned, right? 
So it's like right. somewhere in the middle. Uh, and I would say it should be a little lower than that. That's where I'm, it's not good because the story itself is not very good. But with movies about war, I'm always like, I wonder how they're going to kill each other in the movie. And I want to see the action scenes of like how right. they do that. And that I thought it was great because like, you know, the Napoleon guy had some thoughts about uh, war and uh, <laughs> they would show that in the movie and they would do a good yeah. job of it. So for just the war scenes alone, I would recommend. And by the way, so much thought is put into how to kill other people. Like there would be these scenes where like they send the cavalry because it's like back in the day where they sent the cavalry uh, and the the defense like change their positioning in such a way to make the charge ineffective. And it's like, somebody thought of that. Like, I mean, the, the first wave of people are going to die, but like the grand scheme of things, like it's a good move. And it's just like, I, yeah, war sucks. Yeah. War sucks. Unless they're like fictionalized and it's like in a movie and it's like, great. Like, Oh, look at this. Like, they're <laughs> pretending to kill each other. The actual killing sucks, but the pretending to kill each other. Very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, and how's Joaquin? He, oh, so, Laurie, uh, you had mentioned uh, not the biggest Joaquin fan uh, on a previous episode. No. Uh, this is like... Very off-putting. All Joaquin all the time. I, 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 <laughs> I'm I, sure it is. It always is with him. He's never just like a little thing in a movie. Right. He, his face is just like, just dominates the screen. On this big screen, and you just see his face, and it's like... Is he acting joyful and yes. at peace and happy? One thing I do like about... No, he's not... Uh, there's not a lot of that, but like... No, he's just acting brooding and <laughs> but, upset and angsty. Yes. What an actor. What an actor he I is. I will say, uh, this is, uh, uh, there's no category for this, but like the cowardly, he does the cowardly thing really well. Like where yes. he'll be like boastful, like, oh, I'm fucking Napoleon. And then like, he Oh, be like in Gladiator. Like when he played that character yes. in Gladiator. Yeah. He, he does mm. a great job of that. I mean, that, not everyone can do it. Will Smith can do that. Like it's a very delicate balance. We don't know that. <laughs> I am confident that Will Smith could not have played uh, most of the roles that Joaquin Phoenix has taken on in his career. I bet I would like those movies better. Uh, it would be funny if it was like, yeah, the the Joker as Will Smith. Uh, yeah, but there, he he does have, uh, he possesses some skill. You know, I'm a very big Joaquin fan. Yeah, I know. I don't like him. We need a, we need a Will Smith, Marie Antoinette rap. Uh <laughs> In our Napoleon <laughs> epic. I, I could have used a little more Reign of Terror, though. Like, they kind of glossed over it. They would just behead and, oh, aren't we getting a little carried away with all this killing? And they're like, no, more. So just just reading about this movie has made me want to read Napoleon biographies. Yes. Uh, or, or, like, learn more about Christmas. the history of, of this sort of thing. And so I've I've sort of bookmarked a couple of different Napoleon books that I uh, might eventually get to. Uh, has that inspired you to do any further reading on the on the subject? Uh, I, Wikipedia reading, yes. I, uh, I'm not uh, haven't committed to right. the full book yet. Uh, but no, I, I, there's a, it seems like they left a lot out. Like there's a lot of interesting things about this Napoleon fellow. A weirdo. Yeah. The only thing that I've read about this movie is that it perhaps – misses in terms of the framing that the that framing this whole thing in terms of this love story between him and the lead female character was sort of a mistake yeah. but also expresses admiration for 
as you did the uh, the battle scenes and the and the performance. Right, and, and the, so. the problem. I mean, it wasn't just the lo- just like the story. Like you know, because after the killing scenes, there's get back to talking, and that, that's where the story kind of falls apart. The movie, just just do the yeah. killing. All right. Well, I will uh, look forward to seeing that on my own at some point, whether I have to watch it in the living room or, or take myself to the theater. But I don't think it's one that Lori and I will watch together. No. <laughs> no yeah. A war movie with my least favorite actor. Yeah. There's actually, yeah, those two things are alone. I don't like war movies. I don't like Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> what have I been engaging with this week? Uh, Mostly your family. Yeah, a lot of my family. I didn't get much extracurricular reading done, certainly. I listened to the new Andre 3000 uh, record. Oh, here, uh, no more rapping. What's that about? It's uh, it's like 90 minutes of sort of new agey jazz, and I like it. Uh, <laughs> it's not bad? Um, it, it's, uh, it's a perfectly enjoyable thing to listen to. Uh, calm. It's interesting and good and... It doesn't speak to me uh, in every possible way or, or exactly on every wavelength in all likelihood. I don't know. I'm not an educated person uh, in this particular uh, realm of music making or music listening, uh, certainly. But I enjoyed it, and I'm glad that it exists. I would imagine if this were 1997 and I went out and I bought the CD, like the big double album... Yeah from Andre 3000 and I just spent like 27.99 or whatever on this brand new big double album and getting home and just being utterly mystified right. and there being a lot of people who were mad about it but like I have a YouTube music subscription and so like I just say I hit the plus button next to the <laughs> album and then it's on my phone I don't pay any additional money for it like it's a sort of shameful way that we interact with the music that we are attempting to fall in love with. And I think it makes it harder for me to fall in love with things, uh, combined with the fact that I'm just fucking old now. And so it's harder yeah, we're to, old. our brains don't do it anymore. It's harder to fall in love with things. Uh, but I very much think this is one that I could have come around on if it was a CD that I bought and kept in my car for three months and just listened to over and over again. Like it feels like the sort of thing that I would uh, keep going back to. And it also, it feels like the sort of album that I'm going to listen to a lot when I'm uh, trying to write. It reminds me of uh, a John Frusciante record that I have written. Ugh. I've written so much uh, of my output to John Frusciante records, which uh, tend to meander. And I mean, he also writes great songs, but uh, they can be expansive and meandering as well in much the way that this one is. Uh, and I enjoyed it. I also listened to, if you want a less uh, sort of uh, obnoxious recommendation, uh, uh, an album called, or a band called Nine Black Alps, and they have an EP from 2005. It's just five songs long, and it's uh, sort of indie rock. indie rock stuff uh which i listened to this week and also enjoyed a great deal 
I don't even remember how I stumbled upon it because I had not heard of them before this week, but I stumbled upon it and enjoyed it. Um, I also, uh, I'm going to show you a stack of books here, Abe. Ooh. Do you see this large stack of yes. books there? Probably 15 high or so. Uh, I have taken, uh, placed upon myself some audacious and absurd expectations in the past relating to what might I consume in the future. This is among the most ridiculous things I've ever rescued from. It could have just left my house, these books. It Julia, was supposed to. They were supposed to. Uh, uh, Lori has a I friend. I have two friends. And one of them has a boyfriend who owns a bookstore. One of the, the other f- one had books she wanted to get rid of. Right. And so Lori was like, friend one, let me take your many books and I'll give them to friend two. And that way they will be properly disposed of. Or, They're not going to be disposed or, of. They right, would go to someone. Well, disposed of in friend one's terms. She no longer has to – She's she is absolved of any – potential guilt of like throwing uh useful items away and it uh advantages friend friend two's boyfriend who could then sell them in his bookstore shop uh that he runs 100 percent profit that would be uh but then i got to looking through the stack of books and some of them are really interesting they're all about like fucking soviet era politics she has a degree in eastern european and eurasian studies so she has it, a master's degree St- two of them stalin and a job stalinism as a way of life is here we've got uh, a malcolm gladwell book that i will read and make fun of uh, in all likelihood We've got a dozen different books about life in Soviet Russia and including a couple of novels in there. Fucking master's degree in it. What percentage of pages, uh, and there are uh, hundreds of thousands of pages now here available to me, uh, might I read out of this giant stack of books? I'm going to fucking throw them in the trash is what's going to happen. I'm going to close your tabs and I'm going to throw those books away. You're going to take the under, aren't you? You son of a bitch. Take the under, yes. It could be zero, and I'll still go under. When I ask, when the people at work ask me what my husband does all day, I'm going to say, he doesn't read books. (laughs) I'm going to, this is in in my my imagination, my, my imagining of my best self, I have decided that this I can imagine stack, your best self. This stack of books is going to be the one that finally convinces me to start my book journal that I've uh, insisted is something that I'm going to start where because I do such a bad job. Every time I'm reading a book. A lot of things you do bad jobs at. Every time I uh Did I say that in into the microphone enough? Yeah, uh, plenty. Whenever I'm reading a book, I'm having thoughts, right? And I want to take notes about it. And I get to the end of the book and I'm always mad at myself that I don't have anything to refer back to, to be like, ah, yeah, ah, this is a thought that I had while reading this book. I'm so bad at it. And I'm convinced that if I'm going to read about Soviet era politics and Stalin and all of this other bullshit, that like, because it's so foreign to me, because it's not something that I've ever really engaged with before, that that will encourage me to actually do the work. You just won't of, read it. Of taking down the notes as I go. And so that's the idea. That's the best version of myself that in my imagining I will be doing. I'll be reading uh, Peasant Rebels Under Stalin by Viola from the Oxford University Press. I will uh, at the very least have taken like a half a page worth of notes so that I remember something about the book moving forward. 
Uh, Abe takes the under, obviously. Do you, uh, do you think that, you know, the, the, the Kindle has the bigger one where you can, like, doodle on it and record your... Describe, yeah. yeah. So I've wanted a version of that device for as long as I can remember uh, and was very excited to see the Scribe sort of come closest to what I was hoping for would eventually be made a product. I didn't want to buy it right when it came out for two reasons. Too One, expensive. it's very expensive. And uh, even at its like Cyber Monday uh, reduced prices. $239 like, right now. Still very expensive. Uh, also, you never should buy the very first version of any product. Like give it Let a couple of years. Sort of like uh, having hot takes on news yes. events. Uh, wait, wait for the information to come in. Wait for the early adopters to work out the kinks of new technology products and pick up year two or year three. Also, I, I'm not so dumb that I think if I just have the right piece of technology, that I will then be a better person, right? Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not the asshole who buys the new piece of exercise equipment right. in order to facilitate more working out. Like I recognize. That just having the thing in my possession or uh, or near to hand isn't automatically going to make me a better version of myself. I have to become the better version of myself, and then I can reward myself with the Kindle Scribe or with the new piece of exercise equipment or whatever the case Counterpoint, may be. Counterpoint, uh, a long time ago I decided I should put a notepad by the fridge with and a pen that's always available. Always available so that as I – identify things missing i will write it on a piece of notepad that's right there and as soon as i get to something that i need right now i take the slip and then get all of the things from the list and i'm a better person now look at that (laughs) yes if you just write shit down see facilitated a better shopping experience are you telling me to buy a Kindle Scribe and I'll be a better person? Or are you just Bezos? No, are you working you, for Bezos, you piece of it shit? It will accomplish what you're setting out to do, which is to kind of document your thoughts as you read. The other problem is that like, I'll be listening to a book on Audible, and it gives you the option to like uh, take a note or bookmark this spot or what have you so that you can uh, go back and, and refer to it later. And I never fucking do. Right. Like it never even occurs to me to go like check through the parts of the audiobook that I bookmarked, in large part because the way that my stupid brain works is that I am like very slowly. Uh disagree. I am I'm ha- I'm in conversation with myself and the goings on in the book so that when I think of having like when I think I will bookmark this part and that will give that will trigger the memory of the thing that I wanted to remember it for. Then I go back and I listen to the fucking bookmark. And it's like, why did uh, I want to yeah, single yeah. this out? What in the world was I because my brain was like six steps removed down the conversational path of whatever had been going on in the book for the previous thirty minutes. And so like I assume that I can get back to it, but the reality of the situation is that I, I cannot. That was a moment in time. It's lost like tears and rain ultimately. Uh never to be uh fully recovered Cold again. November rain? No, no, no. Uh, let's see here. Did we watch anything else besides football? That was it, right? Uh, I think so. It was just sports. It was uh, it was a yeah, whole bunch of sports. Friday was Nutcracker, and Saturday was football. Yeah, I'm also uh, playing a little bit of the uh, PlayStation Five game Spider-Man Two, which is uh, it's fine. Uh, 
it's not as good as as other games, and also it's weird uh, in its socially weird. social justicey oh, uh, storylines oh. and plots. Uh, it's it's like uncomfortably and obviously so. Like it, it all sticks out like a really gross sore thumb when they do it. Uh, but. I guess that's just the world right. we live in. That, now. that must Whatever. be by design, right? It's, it's like fun. we're doing a thing. Like we want it to be known. Yes, they very much want it to be known. Anyway, Abe, have you got anything else for us tonight? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then, and we will talk to you next time. Later. I either have to go back and like record part of my rant. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there was actually uh, you Could when be you a sign that like don't talk so fucking much. You reviewed uh, <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon and you yes. talked about it for like five minutes, and we were asking you questions throughout and interrupting you in obnoxious ways, as I am wont to do. Um, but on my end, my recording got fucked up, so it ended up on the show just being like six minutes of Abe talking. Oh, um, and I had to Was edit I responding you responding to like phantom questions. Right, so That's I had a good to point. edit. <laughs> I had to edit it so that it sounded like you were just naturally okay. going on and on, which would be fine for someone who's never listened to the show before. Yeah, but completely unbelievable to believe that I died or something that I could have <laughs> shut the fuck up and just let you talk for six straight minutes. <laughs> Not just let him talk, listen. I also listen. I think that's one what of letting the strengths, is, Lori. <laughs> strengths of our show is that we listen to each other and respond to each other. The only thing that wears out on my phones besides the battery is the port. It's because yeah. you take it into the bathroom. Becomes no, it has and nothing it a lot to of do. Use. With, I mean, you're taking it in and out it's a lot. The, you know? Right, it's the shoving the the male end into the female end over and over again for years and years, and the right. female end eventually fucking goes to shit as <laughs> <laughs> and it's not always in a delicate way you're like just jamming it right it's, no i'm careful yeah. with it but it's I, like i'm not i'm just like oh, where the hell is it oh, yeah, no, I'm careful. i can't find it my female end has been fine <laughs> i don't take my phone in the bathroom don't get so defensive lady <laughs> what, wait, what's the uh, bathroom angle like, just like just she's suggesting that the humidity of okay. the, the moisture because well, i bring my phone i bring my phone again. into the bathroom and I am listening to a podcast, or I uh, showering, like yeah. while you taking bring it a in shower. There when you shower, yeah. Uh, and she's saying that the relative humidity of the bathroom is affecting my USB C connection, I'm which is that an the absurdity. High humidity in the bathroom every day. It over can't be time, hel- Yeah, we can rule out that it's not helping. When I don't <laughs> ever bring my phone into the bathroom <laughs> while I shower, because why would I do that? What does that have to do with the USB-C port becoming looser over time because because I fuck it too much with the USB-C plug? I'm sure it has some sort of negative impact. I think Lori's onto something. They should, I'm sure there'll be an article in a couple of years like, oh, it turns out. Yeah, yeah. There will be, be an feature, article. It'll be a feature on CBS Sunday morning. Some dude will write an article and morning. Bob will be like, oh, some yeah. dude said I shouldn't take my phone in the bathroom. That I should is... listen to him. No one is going to tell you to not take your phone in the bathroom. They would stop selling phones entirely. That's true. <laughs> that is true. I can imagine a, a conspiracy to, to prevent that information. The proceeding was created with 100% human content.